The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Notes Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you have heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn. One, agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Now, street to Brooklyn! Uh, video folks, pa- uh, pardon me for one moment while I... Video folks, pa- uh, pardon Yeah, there we go. That's the pepper. Making sure we we're we're, 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 <clears throat> we're picking up good here. All right, folks. This is the Comic Book Chronicles, and uh, you can find this here podcast on the Cold Souls of Podcast Network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast approval place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcast, Spotify, or the Cold Souls of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Um, you could also find us, um, recording live every Thursday night, uh, on the, uh, the Click Nation's YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation. That's T-H-E-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word, but also on twitch.tv slash Chronicles, which is also all one word. Uh, and hopefully, I think we may have ironed out the issues we had last week, so we won't have to, we won't have the, um, the issues that we did then. So we're going to start off, uh, like we do every week, or most weeks, with a little bit of, uh, comic books, uh, talking abouting, and we're going to start off with The Thing, number one, from Marvel. Right, this is the first issue of... Oh, I did not catch how many issues this is supposed to be. Uh, this limited series. I believe it's a limited Five? series. Yes, it is a limited series. Um, actually, hold on a second. Cause I'm, I want to say, is it on the cover? Of which I'm about to put on? Mm, it doesn't say. It says part one. Okay. It says number one. It doesn't say like one of something. Hmm. Hmm. So- it just says part one. So that's interesting. But I, um, but I feel like it does. I, I've seen it. So hold on. Let's let's check one little thingy here. Real quick. 
Yeah. And while Roddy Cat is checking that, I will read off the credits of this book. Allow me a moment to One of six. Sc- to scroll. So yes, yeah, it's, it's one of uh, according to Comicsology, it's one of six. There it is. So this is number one of a six-issue limited series. It's written by Walter Mosley, the novelist. Yes. Art is by Tom Riley. Colors are by Jordi Belair, and letters are by VCs Joe Sabino. And first and foremost, what we need to stress here. And it's actually on the credits page of this book is that this thing story is a bit of a retcon because it's a new story from a classic era brought to you by the aforementioned creative team. So it is, you know, going into this, we are definitely informed that this is a retcon story. It's a story that Walter Mosley is looking to fit into a specific period in time in the history of The Thing and the Fantastic Four. Specifically, this falls after the fall of the, uh, of the, of the uh, Soviet Union. <laughs> That's yes. one thing. It's after that, as well as after the initial, I don't know how many times... Uh, ben Grimm and Alicia Masters were engaged to be married, but th- this is definitely after that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I don't remember if they had broken it off several times, I just don't recall. Right. But there is a point in their relationship where they become affianced, and this is set after that time. So take those two particular historical. Uh, landmarks or historical points in time as a way of putting this story into context. Right. And also, I guess for, for one other point on that note is, uh, a particular time in things, uh, mm, mutation is not necessarily the right word, but what his form, because he's not like the soft rocky form of his original is pretty much a classic form that people really know. Uh, when this is right, right after that, I guess, came into being. Right. Well, I mean, the, the point being, you know, given the historical context that, that I just gave with like right. real life and comic life, you know, we're, 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 I think we're meant to, to think that this is maybe right before or right after the pineapple thing. Because remember in our time, mm. their marriage only ju- just took place. Right. Right. So, like I said before, them being, you know, uh, engaged, you know, I, I can't remember when, when that actually happened. Wait, I thought or the form many was time is, Sorry. Or how many, oh no, I was going to say how many times they may have broken, you know, like engage, gotten engaged and then broken it off and gotten back on again. Right. I thought this form was before the pineapple. This particular form? Yeah. I mean, this is a standard form. So, my guess is that it could be before or after. Right. But you know, when I say standard form, this is like 80s thing, right. you know, 90s thing. Like at some point in the 90s, he goes pineapple, right? But then he goes back, I guess, late 90s, early 2000s, and he's really not changed his form since right. other than getting, you know, scars on his face and, you know, becoming misshapen at some point. 
Right, because I feel like even they've they've even changed the eyebrows. Uh, but then again, I don't... yeah, that's a style. I was about to say I think that's a stylistic thing more than right. anything. But I know I agree that that's definitely a marker of you know a line of demarcation in terms of like how the thing is depicted. So mm. you know that's an interesting way to put it. It actually comes into play in the Marvel Legends line of action figures, where right. you can see the eyebrows on the thing being subtly different depending on the era they're looking to depict. So mm. I understand that too. But again, I'm more inclined to think that's an artistic choice. Sure. But uh, in any event, you know, enough of us trying to put this story into context. As we said, the uh, you know the writer Walter Mosley, you know, the uh, who's an acclaimed novelist mm. that I had never heard of, a Roddy Cat is familiar with. Oh yeah, decided to put this thing story into that particular uh historical context and is telling this retcon story of a spirit or magical entity that apparently has found its way to earth and has literally done um a fatality on somebody from mortal combat yeah, and, and that happens twice. Yeah, a couple of right, times in the same. Using that, right, and using that fatality basically takes over the um, the, the life of uh, uh, of the victim, hmm. and uh, that person pops up at the end of the issue. Meanwhile, the thing is, you know, let's say, let's say he is hitting some rocky. Uh, you know, and then, you know, pun fully intended. He's hitting some rocky um, moments in his life and relationships with with the FF and with Alicia Masters. Right. So much so that he turns to it's not um, it's not match. It's not uh, OK Cupid, but it's similar to that. It's an option. You know, it, it's um, it's a stand in for some of those online dating services. Right. I call it and, Cosmic Tinder. Even though it's not really cosmic, but right, 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 and it's also not on his phone, so that's why I, I use the older ones right. uh, as a reference, as opposed to uh, the newer ones, because these, you know, this particular dating service, uh, Ben Grimm accesses through the, you know, his quote unquote desktop computer, which would be in the Baxter Building, and uh, you know, as a result, he finds a connection, and the connection is. Uh, someone newly created for the story, and I'll let Roddy Cat take it from here. Right. So, as a matter of fact, not only newly created to the story, but um, apparently attached to the person that gets uh, uh, controlled earlier on in this issue. And actually, I want to ask you actually a question real quick. So, wait, you've never have you watched um, Devil in a Blue Dress? The the the, the movie. I was going to say, I know it's a Denzel movie. I don't recall if I've seen the whole thing or just parts. Gotcha. Okay. But well, I'm familiar with the movie, you... but just not. I don't know if I've watched it all the way through. Gotcha. Well, if you've seen that or whatever the other, because there was another Easy Rollins one, that's that's also Walter, based off of Walter Mosley's book. So I figured you, you might have known him from, from that. But either way, um, which is actually another funny thing. I totally forgot this was coming out because I know we had talked about this a while ago and I saw the... Um, I saw the cover for this when I was looking for covers and I was like, oh, that must be like a, um, his, one of his old, like a, they were, um, like doing a collection of his old stuff. 
<laughs> until I actually looked into it. I was like, oh, right, that's that new thing that's, that's coming. So, but anyway. Uh, I was say, that, 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 that shows you how long ago we probably, we probably discussed the solicitation information. Right, exactly. Probably two months ago. Probably two months ago. You know, because that's generally least. how far apart, you know, how, how far ahead we're looking at solicitation. So, yeah, let's say roughly two months ago, maybe three months ago, we talked about it. And, right. then, you know, lo and behold, <laughs> the book is now out. Right. So well, that being that being the case, though. So, yeah. And um, I guess given what everything um, uh, Age of 70 just said, also, this is from a particular time in Ben's securities also because and that kind of comes into play in here uh a, a little bit because uh and i say that with the uh with the uh with the, the him and alicia thing which i think we both agree was a little escalated a little bit quickly um when when that when happened but i but i think we may be differing on um the behinds of it anyway regardless so what causes Ben to do that thing that Agent Seven just said was basically off of a uh, misunderstanding between him and Alicia and some other dude uh, that just so happens to be there that maced uh, that <laughs> that maced Ben and caused him to um, <clears throat> and caused him to hit uh, you know just take a swipe at a car, but it was taken out of con- or it was taken pretty much out of out of um, not necessarily out of context, but that's just the closest I've got right now because. This guy who maced him pretty much told Alicia that he was running wild, and she kind of went with that, you know. And um, because of the fact that you know Ben was just so happened to run up on him and kind of said something a little, you know, kind of kind of played off his insecurities on that, which kind of started that whole box running, uh, running. So that part was the thing, and then the, which weirdly enough, I thought this was kind of strange. Like he, it just so happens that from that situation, Ben gets put in jail, uh, a vibranium jail at that. Which I, I wouldn't. I'm surprised they would have had it that part time, whatever time this is supposed to be set in, and is in the, end up there with Hercules, who's in his they own call classic it artificial vibranium jail. Sure. So it's not. Right, so it's not you know naturally occurring vibranium or Antarctic vibranium. So sure. somebody decided to put you know like a wannabe you know uh, secondary level of vibranium together to make a cell for the NYPD that Ben still figured a way out of. Right, which is again another thing that seems like that's a little too good, good to be true that it was that easy to do. But but that kind of leads to uh, Ben going through the motions and get, get, get with this data service and meeting this lady who, as they just 70 said is, is new to the story, but also back to what I was saying as attached to the person from the beginning of the story. And then there's an altercation in that, uh, leading t- into the end of this issue. Um, and as I say in my notes, uh, that dude's costume needed some work because he just kind of, <laughs> he just kind of, did like a boot bootleg power man thing with some tires and and called it. Yeah, the tires were a bit underwhelming. Let's put it that way. Right. So I, I had a little giggle with that, but you know, it, it was kind of funny. All in all, the the artness was pretty good. The story in itself, like we have to see where it goes. Like I'm I'm very curious uh, to see where this is going. It's only six issues, so I can I can pretty much you know stay with that. And and this. I would like to believe because it's Walter Mosley, it'll have some some substance to it. But at the same time, I don't know. 
I can't remember if he's done any other comic book work in recent history right. or at all. Now right. that I think about it, he might right. have. Six but I just don't is one of those. Right, a six issue limited series is one of those. You know, growing up, we're we're we haven't seen too many four issue limited series. Four issues used to be the smallest limited series you would mm-hmm. get. And every once in a while, you'd get a two issue, but generally, the smallest one you would see is a four. Mm-hmm. So you would see some stories be somewhat compressed or somewhat rushed. So they could get to uh, some sort of turning point by the end of the second issue, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, by the halfway point of the story. With six issues, the creators have a little bit of time to develop. So we already have an idea of what the conflict is going to be here in this uh, limited series. But we're only through one issue. And to get to the halfway point, we have to get through two more. Yeah. So we'll see where Walter Mosley takes uh, the ever-loving blue-eyed uh, favorite nephew of Aunt Petunia over these next two issues and see where uh, this limited series may end up going. Right. I'm, I, like I said, as a, as a fan of uh, Walter Mosley's novels, like I said, I'm, I, I recognize that doesn't translate uh, into comics, being the, in the comic being good. Like I said, whether he's done any more comic work both prior to this or not, uh, which I feel like there might have been, but I don't even remember. Um, I don't think it's the case. Uh, but like I said, I'm willing to give it a ch- chance in those, for that reason. Obviously, there are other people, you know, I, I'm kind of two ways about that whole thing as a, as, as, um, anyway, as I've said in the past, cause like, you know, people coming into comics from one way or another, all kind of different other ways is real easy to do. Like at least a novelist would be partially, a, a you know would be along the same line so you can get that but um you know like I said we'll we'll see how this uh how the story shapes out uh going forward what, uh, yeah I was I was going to say you wonder how a prose writer would be able to translate their storytelling strengths into comic book storytelling so Which we have you know seen, we'll see how this shakes out right as in I mean you know right cuz as we saw with Tanahisi Coates and Black Panther it started out a little rough but ended up doing being pretty decent um, I guess you could say the same about John Ridley, uh, you know, um, uh, Rainbow Rowell, you know, there's a host of other, uh, novelists that have, that have turned, um, turned, uh, come by writers. That's right. Wait, I guess Charles Soule would, would be in that, uh, kind of would be in that, wouldn't he? I don't know if he started out as a novelist, though. Yeah, I think he started think. writing novels after. Right. Although I could be wrong. Because right. remember, I all I know about Soul is that he started off as a lawyer. Cool. So, <laughs> but regardless, we know we know there there are several other instances of novelists becoming uh, comic book writers, and you know, sure, being sure. all right. So, all right. So next, up. Uh, President Bartlett. What's next? Let's see what's next. How about we move to another book that we have in common? How about? Uh, Strange Academy number 13. Yes. All right. Strange Academy number 13 is written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So this is slightly out of turn in continuity. Because there is no reference in this issue to what is happening with Doctor Strange. Correct. You agree? I agree. Yeah. 
I feel yeah. like it must. This must be before that, because like they might have had this already going, so they'll in the next couple of issues they'll catch it up. I have a feeling that is the case. I just, you know, I, I just wanted to make sure I confirm that with Roddy Cat because mm-hmm. it was a little strange yeah. to see this story, which basically continues. Um, it's not an every issue thing. We're up to issue thirteen, and we are still getting introduced to several of the students. Uh, the backstories, as it were. You know, we've seen uh, Irik and, um, uh, you know, the two Asgardian twins, the children of uh, the Enchantress. We've seen a little bit of their origin um, during in the, in the main book. We actually saw more of it, uh, Alvi and Irik. Right. We actually saw more of it in uh, the Death of book that came out last week, the Death mm-hmm. of Doctor Strange book that was highlighted that was a, a one-shot for the Strange Academy kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in this issue, we have, you know, highlighted uh, um, uh, Zoe. This is the character who is and – we'll, and we actually find out a much deeper uh, origin. But this is the one that had been hiding the fact that she was a zombie-esque type character. Right. Um, during the earlier issues of Strange Academy, but now we have a much more in-depth presentation as to in-depth uh, study into her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only other thing we knew about that, which uh, early on in the book was the fact that she was a descendant of uh, um, uh, Marie Laveau, which if you've watched America Horror Story, you know that name and you may know that name from you know history period. Um, but yeah, this... The the crux of this issue uh, is pretty much giving her backstory uh, and how she came to be the way she is. Uh, but it also kind of... Well, one, there is a def- definitely a bleed plot and, and a potential another plot uh, also off the main one. And, and one is that uh, the kids are going into town... You know, just for, for because they had presentations. And I don't know if you... Uh, peeped out that presentation presentation list um i was getting their names from because i can never remember all their names i got you so, right um so and uh i was kind of upset that we was like we didn't get to see the presentation but i know that was going to take another because we only saw the ones one of theirs but regardless uh coming off of that the kids decided to go into the, into town and for some strange reason the other kids decide to go to this um go to this uh graveyard and just so happened to look up zoe's uh ancestor well because it's supposed to be the most haunted place in new Orleans. Right. that's the that's the draw for them yeah obviously that that makes sense sure you know sure. and you know from scotty young the the writer's perspective that it makes perfect sense to you know to to um obviously when they set this in new orleans there's a re- you know this is one of the reasons why because there is that uh strong connection with uh several aspects of mysticism and voodoo in new orleans right. um there you know there as Cat mentioned there are there are a couple of secondary storylines aka b plots that seem to possibly uh kick off or 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 um spin off a couple of other plots subplots Going forward, one of them is with oh, one of them deals with Emily Bright um, dealing with something that had been happening in the background of several issues of Strange Academy, where Emily had been looking into some had had basically stumbled upon some of Doctor Strange's secrets, and she's she finds herself dealing with one of them in this issue. 
Right. Another one is, and it's it's a byproduct of um, uh, Zoe's story, which is um, dealing with uh, Calvin's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the you know the, some of the after effects, the ramifications of Calvin's, the revelations about Calvin's, uh, uh, the source of Calvin's mystical powers. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's so from that the last arc. Is, yeah. So that is an ongoing issue, and uh, Zoe's uh, origin weaves an element directly into what's probably going to be the next step in Calvin's story. Right. So. So, you know, this was an interesting, you know, I really liked the presentation in this issue mm-hmm. because I wasn't sure where Emily's story was going, and it turned out to be okay. Right. At the same time, I really liked, you know, I, I'm not familiar with Marie Laveau. Uh, I probably have heard the name. I'm just not as familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not an American horror story person. So uh, it's not, you know, at the tip of my tongue or at the, you know, like, you know, at the front of my brain. It's definitely in the recesses of my brain. <laughs> but ultimately, I thought that the presentation here and the and the telling of Zoe's origin was really effective, and it was only done over a few pages, but it really worked for me. And as I said, seeing um, uh, oh, who's this kid again? The, the the one with the leather who used to have the leather jacket, Calvin. Calvin, you know, seeing how Calvin's new status quo weaves directly into um, uh, Zoe's story. And, you know, one of the aspects of Zoe's story is just, you know, I thought that was a, a nice move to keep mm-hmm. their, you know, to keep the momentum of his story moving forward. Right. So, yeah, and, and it, it very much makes sense because, like, especially after that and because of the source of his power now not being around anymore, you know, he's kind of fitting in a little bit of, uh, he's he's into it kind of in his feelings. In, in a way, so which is kind of leading him down this road to probably going to get himself into more f- trouble, um, a, a, as it were. Now, the funny part of the, the thing about not even the funny part, the thing about the Emily part was like, okay, this doesn't seem like this is going to work out as, as well as she thinks it's going to, and the jury's still kind of outlawing that, but so far it, it kind of is. Mm-hmm. So that made me kind of think, like, well, what was the point? Well, what was the other point of doing that? Because who we come to find out is uh, in was locked up in um, uh, Doctor Strange's basement. Who we thought, who actually I thought was the person who just got uh, well, was the thing that just got dispatched in the last arc. Um, um was a newer villain that I kind of sworn was taken taken out when that person when that uh when that person uh at the end of that uh person's um arc or 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 story basically mm-hmm. but now that I think about it it's like I don't actually remember what heck cuz at this point in actual time it's been what a good year since we've seen that character or almost 2 years I guess since we've seen that character has been how long it's time's a construct, dude. It's been a good minute. Yeah, yeah I was about to say none of us really understand. Because time you gotta right think, now. yeah, because that that arc is like at least a couple, of, uh, at least at this point, probably a year or two years uh, uh, ago. Because that was like the death whole death of magic thing, and that was like um, 
Yeah, that was a that was at this point kind of a while ago. Wow. Okay, I may have to flip through uh, Marvel Unlimited just to check that out, but right. uh, that's a little on the wild side for me. I can't believe right. that. But that being said, like the the fact that that Strange Academy just chose to come back to it and was like, okay, and do something with this, like, okay, that's this can't be just this right here. And obviously, the the I like how this character got left in Hobbiton. Hobbiton. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I suspect, like I said, maybe that's it, and they just wanted to put a cap on that, or maybe it's going to lead to something else that we don't know, that, you know, that we're we don't know about just yet. Well- my, my guess is that that character is going to become a resource for them because they were mer- they showed mercy, or at least Emily showed mercy. Right. That's my guess. At some point, that character is going to become a resource because despite the fact that Strange had this character locked up and still has this character locked up, Emily was kind enough to show mercy. Hmm. And I suspect that is going to come back in their benefit. Right. And I'm very curious to see how that happens or how and or when that happens. Like maybe gotcha. that is something still leading up to something that's going to happen in Death of Doctor Strange. And we just, you know, that, that may be the thing that uh, was kind of already put in place. We don't know. Because like I said, this story right. seems yep. to be taken yeah. before that. Right. Uh, that being said, we can move on, though. But yeah, I have enjoyed, we've been, we've both said we've enjoyed uh, Strange Academy all the time and the way the, the things are presented uh, in, in this particular issue. I believe I did say this was a potential click of the week. I might have said. Oh, it's definitely a potential click of the week for me because I definitely liked, you know, I just, I liked the way they, they wove Zoe's origin into the story. Mm-hmm. It just made a lot of sense. Just the way they pulled the, the way they, 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 they portrayed it and told the story. So, all right. So how about, uh, we only have a few more books in common this week. And they both happen to reside in the spider corner of the Marvel Universe. So let's tackle these two. Would you want to do Amazing or Miles first? Eh, let's get Amazing out of the way. All right. So Amazing Spider-Man number 78 is written by Kelly Thompson with art by Sarah, P- Sarah Pacelli and Jim Toe. Uh, colors are by Nolan Woodard and Rochelle Rosenberg. And letters are by our very own Paisan VC's Joe Caramagna. Uh, do you want to take up? You want to? You want to start? I'll pick up uh, wherever you want to leave off. Sure. Um, so this is the uh, this is um, at the end of uh, this. This is after the well, actually not even out. It's kind of still in the between the fight between Ben and Marlon. Uh, Marlon just had a snack on Ben, so we we figured that was the Mor- end of it, huh? You mean Morbius? Morbius, excuse me. Why did I put more? I actually, I literally, I put Morlin on here for some stupid reason. And you're right, it is Morbius. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, one vampire, other whatever thing. But yes, Morbius, the living vampire, who is apparently yes, spider anti like totem hunter or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so apparently, um, like I said, Morbius kind of munched on Ben at the end of that, and you know we figured that might have been the end of that or something was going to happen. That, but apparently the fight was still going on. Ben actually gets away, but it comes to find out that Morbius is needing a little bit more than, or what he gotten off of Ben. So, um, and I guess Ben picked up on that and leads him back to his house. <laughs> of all places, but then he, he's he's in the Beyond Core building, so I guess it's you know it's pretty protected. But um, oh, yeah. 
say, uh, uh, I actually understood that because he really had nowhere else to run. Yeah, and I, and I kind of get that too because like, well, he know he was going to be kind of sort of safe there, but as a, but at the same time, it gave uh, the Beyond Core something else to play with, and uh, because uh, this goes into uh, them pretty much capturing uh, Morbius and. Uh, and also, we're seeing a little bit of uh, behind-the-scenes um, uh, true coloring uh, from the Beyond Core when uh, when Ben is being uh, looked into. So we start to see the shades of that. And the best couple of parts about this um, this issue, to which I hate the fact this is the case because it's gonna it's got me for another couple of issues. Is one, <laughs> well, we do get so Agent uh, Seven continues to be right because we get another Peter check-in. And this one was kind of, you know, between uh, uh, M and J and Felicia kind of having a moment, uh, apparently, in that we were, uh, without going through what actually happens there. But one Monica Rambeau Spectrum shows up uh, to help out um, uh, Misty and, and Colleen, or I guess working with them for 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 uh, about something. Obviously, we I, we we kind of know what that's about because as someone who has have. Um, some experience with the Beyond Core, Monica Rambeau would be one. So uh, we assume there's uh, there's a little bit more going on there. So, and I think I might have slightly called that one because we we figured because the Beyond Core being here and Next Wave being the big thing that Beyond Core at least some people know the Beyond Core for specifically myself uh, and her involvement in it. At some mm-hmm. point, it would have made sense for her to be somewhat involved in this, right? And and ultimately, what it came down to is that when I saw this, when I saw Monica make her appearance, I was like, okay, so now we're trying to tie in her previous experience with the Beyond Corp into mm-hmm. what's going on now with uh, Ben Riley with uh, Ben Riley, right. right? Right. And I can't I can't even bring myself to call him Ben Riley Spider Man. So yeah, you heard uh, me. So <laughs> what's that? I said, yeah, you heard me. I have. I don't think I've mentioned Spider Man once. <laughs> you know, it, it's just difficult, and uh, you know, seeing her pop up made complete sense because we had already been bumping on the fact that both uh, both of the um, daughters of the dragon being in the employ of. Uh, the Beyond Corp really rubbed us the wrong way. Kind of it got our own respective spider senses tingling. Mm-hmm. And we were correct in uh, thinking there was something more to it than met the eye. Shout out to the Transformers. And we had our suspicions uh, basically confirmed in this issue. Mm-hmm. So with Monica leaving off on a minor cliffhanger because basically what we're informed is that uh, what we're, we're what we're informed of is that um, the daughters of the dragon uh, are basically uh, double agents or maybe double agents maybe. that's what's implied at yeah. this point maybe so we will see how that plays out right. So and and it's, and it's worth noting for those who know about uh, Bianco and Next Wave, we should which you should read because it was actually pretty good despite who wrote it. Um, let me thought I said that. Regardless, um, Monica shows up in her Next Wave uniform, 
aka the 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 kind of sort of spectrum uniform with the big trench coat so if that doesn't harken back to that i don't know what to tell you um so whether we see boom boom and machine man come up next who's only time will tell right um also i don't know if you noticed um the 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 stegman reference yes i did in the movie right but did you also see i don't know this is if this is anything of note or anything or that was just an artistic choice but did you see what was going on in the the moonlight in that same panel oh now i look at it is that the moonlight i believe it looked as it looked as though it looked like the the moon the those some moonlight shown and then to a particular spot and i was like that doesn't seem like that would work that way <laughs> that is I'm going to zoom in because I'm looking at our review copy as we speak, which allows us to zoom in. I'm just, you know, it's just taking me a minute. Right. I did not. Anything, but... I, I, I did. I, I kind of bumped on that. I did not think that was the moon. But now that I look at it, I guess it would be. That's just a weird coloring choice. Exactly. So I was like, there's, there's something particular about that. And I'm not sure if that is it's supposed to be something it's to be Monica flying away. I thought about that also, but I don't know. It just seemed, I don't know. Maybe it could be, but that would mean that she would, she would have been either close by to where they were or something. I mean, could very well, well be, but well, they probably don't let Ben go that far from the beyond corporation building. Yeah. That's also so, true. So actually, yeah, that's, I was about to say that's actually not beyond the realm of possibility. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, it was like it was something that kind of struck me. It was like that seems a really particular art choice. But um, we'll see if there's something to to come off of that later. But we do see at the end of this issue uh, another villain that is poised to um, give uh, Mister Riley some grief, and we'll see where that goes in the next issue. Excuse me. Yes, uh, a certain version. You know, because I can't remember who's actually wearing the lion's uh, mane at this point. I believe that's the sun. That is the sun. Is it? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, there's a big spoiler for you, folks. Exactly. You know, who else is running around with a lion's mane on? Exactly. So. But that, for, like I said, it's got me on the hook for at least another issue or two. Um, right. It's a terrible. I knew they were going to do this. They were just going to do just enough to keep everybody who's cheering for Peter Parker to get better and to kick Ben Riley back to the curb, <laughs> uh, you know, to keep them on the hook, at least to check in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I still have this book on my pull list. I, I, I hesitate to read it. I hesitate to look at it, but it's still there. It's kind you know, it, it kind of hurts me. You know, uh, I feel like, um, I feel like, uh, uh, what is it? So Nine Inch Nails did the original Hurt song, right? But my favorite version and a lot of people's favorite version is the Johnny Johnny Cash Cash. version. Mm -hmm. So I feel like (laughs) when I'm reading that, like I hurt myself today (laughs) to to see if I still feel I focus (laughs) on Peter you know, mm-hmm. the only Spider-Man that's real. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Um, so, 
and I, I and and I guess speaking of that, the the next um the next book that we're about to go into is going to tie back into this, sadly. Yes, yes, because definitely that's definitely uh, uh, an interesting segue because when uh, I read this issue and we get to the point of the story where it's kind of an abrupt you know, halt to the proceedings, mm-hmm. what ends up happening is, as Roddy Cap mentioned, a direct tie-in into the current happenings in Amazing Spider-Man. So let us move over to uh, Miles Morales uh one second pull up my credits miles morales spider-man number 32 it's written by saladin ahmed with art by christopher allen colors by guru efx and letters by vcs Corey pettit uh let's see here do you want to go from your notes i'm still scrolling to get to my copy of the book sure um so starting's been captured by the taskmaster and taken somewhere um um, and we get some, some, I guess, some narration from her at the beginning of, uh, of this. Um, and then we cut back to a couple of minutes earlier to where, um, Ben, I mean, not Ben, who Lord, don't, don't, that's a terrible mistake there. Uh, Miles is still trying to re- recoup and go after her after the beating that, uh, he's taken from the taskmaster. Uh, and he gets some, some help. And uh, in, in get, in getting patched up, and seeks out the uh, the help of a teammate, a, a champion's teammate of his, uh, to look for where Starling has been taken. But um, as we have come to find out, Starling, you know, is is, is not a damsel in distress. Um, much to the actually, I, I'm kind of wondering if that part wasn't wasn't intentional. It was like so. Taskmaster was tasked to. Uh, get her for a client that we still have not seen, but I have a strange feeling we know who it is. Oh, of course, it's Adrian yeah. Toomes. Right. So at least that's who we're that's who we're led to believe it. Is. That's who we're led to believe it is. Right. And it's very very well possibly it might not be him, but all signs at this point are still pointing to them because at this point, Starling knows who. By the way, Starling is um, Tiana Toomes. That is Adrian Toomes' granddaughter. Um... For the for those who don't know, and she found out that he was a criminal, which kind of you know put put her at odds with him. So from that, we're thinking that he might have put this out, you know, just kind of to get backward. Like that sounds like a vulture thing to do, you know. It's like I don't know, to kidnap her, sort of bring her to me, so you know, so can see my reasoning or something. I don't know, but we don't necessarily know if that's the case. We just speculate very heavily, and it seems right. so far hold true. Um. And then we go from that to where um, there's a round two between uh, Starling, uh, Miles, and the Taskmaster up until the time is up. And then a really sharp pivot into where we were talking about at the beginning of this goes into the um, uh, ties back into Amazing Spider-Man where (laughs) Miles gets hit up with some lawyers. Right. With with a C and D. Yeah, I was about to say at the very least a C and D, very at, at the very least some sort of restraining order. Right. To which we did see in Amazing Spider-Man in the last issue too, because I do remember that there's been something that's like, like, yeah, we're currently looking at, you know, the uh, something about we were basically they were basically hinting around to, 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 to um to seeing about these other spider folks. 
Um, you know, so I guess it was standing. It was uh, standard stands the reason to where something like this was going to happen at some point. Right. So, uh, so coming out of that, next issue is going to be a beyond uh, beyond storyline tie-in. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually going to be continued in Amazing Number Eighty One. Mm-hmm. So. Sadly, we kind of get get away for get get away from it if even if we wanted to, right? And uh, issue thirty three, we presume, is the continuation from that from uh, that Amazing Spider Man story. Presumably, yes. Yeah, because you know because of the the, the note that's left to us at the end of this issue mm-hmm. uh, instructs us to jump over to Amazing eighty one. And the next issue also has to deal with the beyond stuff. So we're pre- so we presumably have to find out what happens in Amazing before we get to uh, Miles number thirty-three. Right. Uh, one interesting point that I saw in this, and I don't know if Agent Seventy picked up on it, uh, but Miles apparently picked up a new—I uh, call it a video game power—from um, from a run-in with one of his uh, clones. Which I vaguely remember that particular thing happening, but uh, sure, it, it probably did, and I might have said the same thing even then. <laughs> oh, I did. I noticed that. I bumped on that. I was like, "What is he doing?" Mm-hmm. And I thought that was weird. Right. I, I, I honestly, you know, and I understand this is another way to differentiate Miles from Peter and all the other spiders. Mm-hmm. You know, because powers are just different. In that they were granted in a different way, and they were granted in a different universe. Right. So it makes sense that you know they would do their be- their best to differentiate him, and by giving him this like venom uh, charge power that is multifunctional, mm-hmm. makes sense. But at the same time, it doesn't overpower him. You know, I definitely don't want to go that far. Right. You know. Because that's that, that that's that that's just not the case. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, wait, you're a Spider-Man. You can figure you're you know with the base Spider-Man powers, you can figure out a way to get to a barge. But he's I'm also sorry. young, so I mean, he probably wasn't thinking like that. No, but I'm just saying, like but in you're terms right. of the, yes, you know, in terms of his base power set and uh, tech, you know, assuming he's got. The regular, you know, standard issue uh, web fluid right. and the standard issue uh, web shooters. We've seen uh, Parker figure out a way to get to something like that that's far away from uh, uh, web swinging height, you know, web swinging points. Sure. Obviously, we've probably seen him swim more than not. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, probably you know, would have been a probably been a would have been a, a web slingshot of some sort. Yeah, I mean that's what I assumed it right. would have been, but I, you know, I didn't want to put that out there just because I wanted the the, the read, you know, the the listeners and the viewers to kind of put that in their minds. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, if you're familiar with uh, uh, how Spider-Man has been written up until this point in time, you know, you wonder how uh, how Peter would have figured this figured this out because he he lacks that particular uh, power set that Miles has, right. so. Um, but in any event, you know, I bumped on that. I admit I bumped on that. But, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, when it came down to it, this is the taskmaster, you know, and, and you know, I hate to bring up our disagreement 
um, on how the Taskmaster was portrayed in uh, Black Widow, the MCU movie, mm-hmm. because this is the Taskmaster that uh, has been developed in Marvel Comics up until you know, you know, up to and including uh, his recent miniseries, and so this is the Taskmaster I honestly was looking forward to, and hopefully we still get in the MCU. You know. Uh, aside from the, the 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 taskmaster that we saw in the Black Widow movie, because while that character definitely had a purpose, I think the taskmaster character, uh, the way uh, we understand him in the comic books, I think can serve an even greater purpose moving forward in the MCU. But that's just my opinion. Sure. Feel free to uh, feel free to disagree with me or agree with me on social media. Have that. I feel like no, nah, yeah, I feel like we 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 still have that. That Taskmaster could potentially still be in the in the MCU as at least closer to the, what we originally got in the movie. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, um, I think I'll, the, the last thing I'll say in passing that was that yeah, that new power set one did seem like a, a kind of a video game thing. Like if you if you were playing Miles Morales's video game, that probably something would have would have shown up there. But also. Um, going back to Miles' power set, even from the get-go, I was like, well, that's kind of Spider-Woman. Like, yeah, they call it something different, but it's not that far off from her, from her, uh, from her, I forgot what they call them, her blast. Venom blast. Yeah, so it was, yeah, so it, it's pretty much the same thing. They just, they're just pretty much mixing the two. Mm-hmm. in that particular case. So it's not like he... So I say that to say that it's not like he has a totally different power set than the other spiders because like I said, he's, he's got a little bit from, from Jessica and Scott. The only thing I think he's got from his on his own, which I'm fairly certain none of us has gotten it that he hasn't used... Well, no, he did use it last... Uh, it's the camel, yeah. Well, it's the, uh, the, the cloak, yeah. Yeah, I call it the camel. Yeah, sure. The camel yeah, 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 yeah. So that's pretty much the only thing that's uniquely his... Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that being said, that was uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man number thirty-two. You know, still pretty good. We'll, I guess, we'll find out who, who that person is uh, that's going after Starling, uh, or if we were right about whoever that person is in an issue or two, or unless they're going to kind of bake it into whatever's. They're probably going to put it in as a, as a side note to this Beyond thing. Who knows? I would laugh if they if they subvert our expectations just by a touch. And the touch that I'm thinking is that Adrian Toomes is the grandfather, right? Right. Imagine if it's actually Starling's father. Hmm. That's an interesting point. Yeah, right? I, didn't, I actually didn't think about that. We would assume we would assume it's the grandfather because he's the known quantity right. that we that we're familiar with. Right. But imagine if uh, Ahmed decides to subvert it just a touch. And move it a generation because I don't think we're that familiar with who Starling's uh, father actually is. I believe you're right. So that would be interesting. And then they end up making a family affair, and then Tombs ends up coming back and come, comes back for you know on one side or the other. Right. I don't, yeah, that'd be interesting. I would. Yeah, if that's the case, then I welcome it. Like I said, the only reason why I thought of that is you know think of uh, you know teenage girls' parents, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you true. know that, that that's what popped into my mind while I was reading. Like I'm like I'm reading it when I thought I wonder who's behind this particular uh, Taskmaster contract. Right. 
you know, there's the obvious, and then, you know, we'll see if they, as I said, subvert our expectations. Sure. Yeah. Like I said, only time will tell. Uh, right. So let us move on. I'm thinking, I guess we're already on to... Oh, um, we're going to go to rapid fire because yeah, we come to the point in uh, the show where our comic book roads diverge, like Robert Frost said, in the wood. And I took the road slightly less traveled because I have fewer books. So I am going to spin up the minigun and start our rapid fire segment. Here we go. I ain't got time to breathe. All right, so uh, to wrap up the few books that I have, uh, I'll, we'll, I will continue with Eternals number seven. It's written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Isad Rabich, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Now, I've already discussed this book with Roddy Cat off the air just prior to the start of the show. And I'm not going to spoil anything really about the story, but I've already spoken to Roddy Cat in very broad strokes about what seemed to be happening in this issue, because it is the start of a new arc. It does not actually pick up on some of the uh, story elements that were in the uh, Eternals one-shots that were in between that first arc and this arc. What those one-shots seemed to do was to... Uh, what they what those two particular issues seem to do was to uh, tie some of the current Eternals lore into what was going to be portrayed in the MCU Eternals movie. In this issue specifically, we're dealing with characters that had a spe- that had specific storylines going, uh, moving, uh, progressing in that first arc. Uh, prior to those one-shots, and now we're getting to the next logical steps for several characters. And that's what picks up here in this issue. We have uh, a particular character, and it's a, it's it's not a, a big spoiler because this particular character is one on the cover and two played a prominent role in that first arc. We have Thanos, the Eternal of Titan, uh, making a move in the world of the Eternals. That's the best way to put it. Making a move for um, a position of authority in the world of the Eternals. And a lot of stuff moves um, forward from there. Druig is essentially the character that we've all assumed Druig is and has always been. But, uh, you know, we definitely are uh, seeing... We are definitely seeing Druig uh, uh, be a catalyst in the story with regards to Thanos' part in the story. On the flip side, we also see how the Eternals and the Deviants are exploring different aspects of their relationship. So uh, I'm going to try to reread Eternals 1 through 6 again because I think I dropped this book at 6 and didn't pick up the two one-shots. So I'm going to have to reread them and see if I want to pick up number seven, you know, and see if I want to continue with seven. So that is Eternals number seven. Like I said, trying not to spoil it. I think Roddy Cat may uh, pick this book up and read it after the show, in between the show and the show and the upcoming show. Next up is Venom number one. Uh, it's written by Al Ewing and Ram V. 
It's co-written by those two. Pencils are by Brian Hitch in a big return to the House of Ideas. Inks are by Andrew Curry. Colors are by Alex Sinclair. And letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So when I told Roddy Cat I read this, I, I, I framed it this way. We have become fans of Al Ewing. Roddy Cat was a fan much more so than I was prior to the Immortal Hulk. But I decided to give Immortal Hulk a big, you know, a, 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 a big chance, and I stuck with it. And it turns out I was right to stick with it. And I think I got Roddy Cat to stay on, jump on that bandwagon, or stay on that bandwagon, because I know that he was a big um, uh, fan of the Ewing Avengers books. You know, when we were in that whole mm-hmm. um, multiple Avengers titles uh, period of time. What we get here in this Venom book is Al Ewing and Ram V expanding upon Donny Cates' expansion of the Venom lore and history. We get different aspects of the the expansion of the history as well as expansion upon the developments that we saw at the end of Cates' run on Venom. So we see where that could possibly be going and we basically pick up maybe a few months after we left these characters in at the end of Kate's run. So I would say if you are a fan of Venom, you're going to be excited with this, buy this book. If you are not a fan of Venom or, or, you know, carry maybe only a passing interest in the book, it's probably still worth picking up because I think Al Ewing and Ram V are going to put a pretty decent spin on this and be able to tell a solid story. I'm going to try to keep up with this. I may not physically pull this, but I'm going to try to keep up with this and see where it goes because I have some faith in Al Ewing and with Ram V as a writing partner on this book. It definitely piques my interest. And that is, those are my rapid fire books of the week. So here's my question on that. Cause if you look at the, uh, the flavor text of comicsology, they are really, really trying to sell this book, uh, with, 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 uh, with the creating rightly so. Cause Al you between Al Ewing and Ram V, they've been doing this good stuff. Now here's the question I have for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to this, this, what it says here, and I'm quoting from Comixology's um, the, the um, write-up of this, or writing of this. They say, as if that wasn't enough, they've been joined by industry legend Brian Hitch, who is leaving it all on the page. Yeah. Talk about hyperbole, huh? Exactly. So I'm sitting here like, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we know... Wait, is it Brian Hitch that we know that sometimes has an issue? I mean, has a... Has a sometimes has delays in his art? Or am I thinking of somebody else? I was about to say, Roddy. We have been doing this show for many, many years. Mm-hmm. There are multiple artists. This is that, true. You know but, that can be who, who can be described using those exact words. But usually, when this person when this person comes up, he's usually is like, "Well, we don't know if they're going to be on this book longer than the first arc because of the fact that you know they don't normally like a, like a Cassidy or somebody." Um, you know, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know well, if it's Hitch we're talking about be, or not. I think he would be one of those characters. I think he would be one of those artists. Right. I don't think he's the main. I don't think he would be the main uh, 
artist that we would describe that way, but he's right. one of them. Right. Well, yeah, and that was my point. Like, I'm not saying he was the he's the only one, but he's definitely one of them. So, but that means mm-hmm. that. But even if that wasn't the case, I suspect the yeah, he's not the. They, I was about to say he's not the worst offender in that case. Right. Okay. That's that's a little bit more. Okay, that's a little bit better context there than. Um, I mean, you know, Brian Hitch's art, great. We're not, you know, we're not disputing that. Um, and I suspect they did fight, they get him just to kind of kick this arc off, regardless of whether he was, you know, whether that w- is the case or not. And they're probably going to switch over to another artist uh, in the next arc. I, sus- I suspect. Right. Or they may be. They may already have figured out that they're going to alternate arcs. Hmm. Just to make sure that Hitch can stay on schedule. Sure. Yeah, I suspect that he's probably not going to be on this book that long, though. But like I said, because this is not the first time they've done this. It's like, hey, let's get this big artist to kind of kick this book off, and then they'll just get you know somebody regularly to do it. Like, we've seen this a, a, a few half a dozen times. So. So I, I don't disagree, but I have a feeling that if Hitch wants to uh, kind of make a mark on a Marvel book, they're probably going to have him alternate arcs. Just That seems to be their their pattern mm-hmm. uh, it worked with you know it, it's worked with um uh, uh uh some of the big artists that were on uh black cat some of the artists that were on the hawks pox books you know where they alternated arcs sure just so they could stay on schedule so yeah but that's i feel like that's a slightly different reason though because there was there was a lot of that coming out at one at, at, at a given time Right, but at the same time, it's a it's a strategy that I think the editors can now use sure. uh, to make sure that these artists can stay on top of their books. Sure, so, I got you. Anyway, but, uh, you know, but, you can. But that leads me your, to a question, though. What do you think of the art in this one? In, in this issue, I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. I think our, I think Hitch's art has gotten more. I hate to put it this way. It's become more fluid, and I don't know if that's his strong suit. Hmm. Um, I you know I I kind of liked Hitch's art when it was seriously grounded in reality, in Ultimates. Okay, and it's gotten a little bit more fantastical. Some of the body positioning and anatomy has gotten a little bit more elongated. You may see that here. It was part of my criticism of his work on that Batman. Uh, 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 limited series mm-hmm. that he that he did that he, I think, just finished up uh, over the last couple of years. Okay. You know, that, you know, it was coming out during the course of the pandemic. So, um, I forget what it's called, like the many deaths of Batman or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly what it's called. I'll have to look that up. But ultimately... Batman's Grave? Um, say again? Was it Batman's Grave? I don't recall. Either way, it doesn't I don't know. I mean, I'll Google it, you know, but at the end of the day, that's um, that's my criticism. I think his art was stronger when it was more grounded in reality, but, it, you know, it's his style. And, you know, it's recognizably his style. He still draws good faces, which is one of his strongest suits. You know, and sometimes that's, you know, that that's a that's an aspect of comic book art that is oftentimes one of the weaker things. Uh, uh, one one of the weaker points of several artists. So he definitely still has his strengths as a comic book artist. So I would I would say just take a look at this as a number one. I know that you weren't keeping up with the Kate's run, so you you'll basically be caught up to speed on the the status quo of Venom, uh, and the various symbiotes that are still kind of running around in this issue. 
Right. Okay. Well, that being said, um, we'll go to rapid fire uh, on my. Well, excuse me. We'll go to rapid fire on my side since uh, since Agent Seven is there. And actually, I'm going to skip a book, and I probably shouldn't do this because there's a weird tie uh, in what I'm about to go into, and that is Avengers Tech on Avengers number four. Um, uh, this, I believe this is the penultimate issue. I don't remember, but, um, this is pretty much, um, uh, this is not an in, I would safe to say that this is not an in canon book. This is pretty much a, uh, almost a, <laughs> almost a manga like, uh, Avengers story, um, because of the, this thing. And this is also based on a toy line that is currently out. So th- there you go. Um, not unlike that Avengers Mike Strike that we talked about. Uh, but uh, the creative team is uh, writer Jim Zub, uh, art by Jeffrey Chamba Cruz, letters by G- VC's Travis Lanham. Uh, so, um, I'm just going to say two words, and I, I, I believe um, Agent 70, whether he's going to read this book or not, uh, will get this reference. Perfect Ultron. Ha! But that only plays a small part of this uh, this issue um, in a way because it's still the Avengers versus Red Skull and uh, their mech suits, uh, all mech suits made out of Infinity Stone pieces or dust or whatever the case may be. But definitely pulls a, a little bit of inspiration from Age of Ultron in, in a in a in a small way on both sides. Uh, but when things get thick, who comes into the fold? Uh, Black Panther in his own mech, uh, in his own mech suit, which means that's another toy that they, uh, that's probably already out that, um, that, uh, they have introduced into with the story and also actually technically too, given up what they're going up against. Um, uh, but at the end of this, uh, and here comes where the tie is to what we just what uh, Agent Seventy just spoke about. There is a third party of the symbiotic kind who has also joined the party uh, in a way uh, that we don't know the full extent of. But I guess we'll see in, in the next issue. I, I, and I say it's the penultimate issue, but I don't necessarily know. But, but because of that that introduction. Or not necessarily introduction because I believe this character has probably been back there somewhere. Um, but this it could be six issues. I don't know. I'm about to find out at this point. And, and it's probably irrelevant. Yeah, it is six issues actually. I just see. I just saw that. So yeah. So we got two more issues in this, uh, of this, uh, uh, and that will complete that. Uh, as I move something around in my notes. I'm just going to say that my next book is uh, Magic number eight, aka Magic the Gathering number eight, because apparently they dropped either dropped or never had the, the the gathering part of that. But nevertheless, this is a book in the world of Magic the Gathering, the card game uh, uh, that so many people, including myself, enjoy. Uh, the creative team on this book is. Um, one of our newer favorites, Jed McCray as the writer, um, Iguar as the illustrator, colors by Ariada Consani, and letters by Ed Dukeshire. 
Um, so this takes up after last issue's fight with uh, this cult that was trying to take over Ravnica, but it was also a part of a bigger scheme that is still um, that is still ongoing. Um, but yeah, we basically see the our trio of guild masters uh, kind of re recouping from that. Uh, but also, uh, before I go any further. Uh, in reading up on this particular issue, uh, there seems to be a tie-in with another, I don't know if it's a one-shot, but it's another book that's not coming out, that's not out yet, which I think is going to come out in another week or two, that is tied into this issue uh, because a character that shows up who is in the lore of uh, Magic the Gathering just so happens to come and helps, um, unexpectedly helps, um, the team with some bit of information in exchange for um, um, amnesty, or basically, uh, not necessarily amnesty. This was this was the bad guy that they, they that is well known known well of, but just happened to get uh, absolved of his crimes for helping helping this these folks out. But uh, but seems to be having some schemes of his own, which is seeming like it's going to be playing in this other uh, book that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. So while the the plot in this book and this other big bad that's going on in the main book is still going on, uh, they kind of use this to kind of tie it into this other book that's coming in the, in, the, in the next couple of weeks. So we'll see what that's... I will definitely see what's going on with that when that happens. Um, but we definitely get a good bit of exposition about the, the seeming plot of the big bad and uh, some ominous portents therein. Uh, next up is Static, Season 1, Number 4, uh, written by Vida Ayala, uh, layouts by Chris Cross, finishes in color by Nicholas Draper Ivy, letters by And World Design. Um, this one is a potential click of the week for me. Um... Because well, one partially because of the beginning. So basically, the, the 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 men in black fake feds, as I called them, are pretty much looking for all the big uh, the bang babies, uh, and they come up to the house of Virgil Hawkins, who we know is static and also has his powers at this point. Um, but the community nor his family uh, are having this, so they kind of deal with that situation very quickly. But it also leads uh, Virgil to. You know, despite his family's family's best wishes, but also with their kind of sort of their consent to uh, go uh, strike out and and see what's going on with this larger picture. He knows that a lot of the bang babies are getting uh, getting taken by these uh, by these men in black. One of which is including the um, I guess a rival bad guy of his who has a rematch with him at the end of this issue that doesn't seem to go well for Virgil. Um, but, um, but you know, after the family, he, after he talks to the family and kind of tests out some gear, he and his friends kind of go and um, see what they could do about, uh, you know, um, rescuing some of these folks that have been taken. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Although I would, the only thing I will say is there was a nice looking milestone Jersey that shows up in the course of this that I hope, if they ever do sell as an actual merchandise, I would like it because it looks pretty cool. 
um, enjoying the art. The story's been been great so far. You know, is as I've said, this is uh, pretty much the reboot of the Milestone Comics um, character therein for Modern Town. So you will see some modern language in here. Um, but it's still been pretty good. Next up, uh, I Am Batman number three. Oops. Which I thought Agent 70 was going to be, was going to read, uh, or probably has, I know he read because he reminded me that this was still a thing that's out there. Um, right. But the writing staff, I mean, excuse me, the creative staff is John Ridley uh, on writing, art by Steven Segovia and Kristen Deuce. Colors by Rex Locus and letters by ALW's Troy Pateri. Um, and I guess the what little say about this is it's a Fair States tie-in. And if y'all are not keeping up with what's going on in, in DC right now, DC is pretty much the prelude, I guess, to Future State, which has already happened already this year. So that's continuously to be weird to me. And it's going to, every time we talk about this, it's going to come up. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Um, but in a little ripped out of the headline situation, there was, uh, there's this kid as of last issue that, uh, was pretty much the scapegoat as, as there's playing it for a, um, for this group that he was um, being influenced by, I guess. So, there was a... I guess a third person did get killed. Yeah, so actually, yeah, Anarchy got killed. And this, and they caught the, the kid that was, um, that was um, supposedly responsible of it, but there's a bigger group, like I said, at large in this, uh, which causes a riot to happen because of this... because of this... Uh, the person behind the scenes is stoking up some... Uh, Stucking up said violence, uh, which leads leads the uh, the detention center where this kid is being held to be, like I said, uh, to be the cause of uh, uh, to be the place of a riot. Um, but at the same time, the cops and uh, Jason's mom is are both there, so they kind of have to hold their own uh, while Jace, who ends up coming into play, um, is kind of doing. Uh, doing his part on the outside. Um, and that's pretty much just a, a, that without going into too much further into it. Like I said, there was some real rip from the headlines uh, imagery in here in, in a couple of respects. So, like, but it is what it is. And obviously, it's John Reilly, so I guess you can't help that at some point. And also, I guess, uh, just on my last note on that, is like there was a particular situation that Jace was dealing with that seemingly got dealt with at the end of this issue. So we'll see how he feels about that going into the next issue. Um, Savage Avengers number 26. The, the book that's still going on. Still going on. The book that seemingly never die, will never die. And apparently this uh, issue is living proof of that. Um, <laughs> I mean, what we see here is what I did do in this book. I didn't read it, but I flipped to the end and I saw that the story <laughs> technically is going to be concluded in the next issue. But they've been saying that for the last couple of issues, though. So that's not really saying that. I, I've seen to be concluded in the last couple of um, 
hell, probably the last four or five at some point, but still, the last I love issues. It. So it's kind of crazy. But anyway, um, it. it's written it's by the undead Avengers book. Kind of in a yes, actually, kind of in a in a literal ways. sense. Yeah, um, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Patch Zerker, color artist by Java Tataglia or Hava Tataglia, uh, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So yeah, last issue there was a big knockdown dragout fight between Old Man Conan in a Doctor Doom suit and Kulinga. Uh, well, that fight went a, a certain way. Um, Including going back to um, actually, uh, as Agent Seventy said earlier, with the uh, th- with the thing book, there was a Mortal Kombat um, uh, fatality that was kind of used in here, um, uh, which still didn't end things because there was another person that ends up ends up coming into play. Well, not coming into play, but but has been in play for the last couple of issues, and that is one King the Conqueror. Um, uh, who kind of does some things in this issue, and then there's another big knockdown, drag down fight with a whole bunch of uh, with a, a whole team of Savage Adventures. Uh, and even at the end of this, it's still not done. This is like the Dragon Ball Z of freaking books, right here. Because uh, even when you thought the uh, the fight is over, <laughs> somebody's like, "Oh wait, you thought that was it." No, that's not it. And as Agent 70 said, when he looked and skimmed the end of it, it's totally not it. And it's kind of ridiculous, but it's still kind of funny. Because like I said, this is the book that we thought was going to end like a good 10, 15 issues ago. And did not. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for whenever this thing. Like, we could be here three years from now. It's still going to be concluded or something. Um... What's next? Oh, Transformers, Wreckers, uh, Treads, and Circuits number two. So this is the uh, miniseries of... Or this is another miniseries in the Transformers universe based on the Wreckers. Not necessarily the ones from the old um, the old series. Uh, this is a new group. Like I, I think, I, like I said the last time that this book came up, they're, they're more of the pole position slash mask slash... Um, they have a cover that they're using, but not very well to to infiltrate this race on this one planet that uh decides the that base their system of government uh election based on who wins this race uh but of course the the bad guys are having uh are not having it and want to get rid of this, which they could very well be right in this we don't we don't who's to say. You know, and they have also entered the race. Um, but there's some other side stuff with one of the characters, or with a couple of the characters going on, and one of them kind of meets a, a an issue during the course of um, during the course of this issue that uh, may take them out of the fight for the rest of the this miniseries. Uh, who's to say? Uh, but before that happens, it, this this uh, this uh, Cybertronian meets up with somebody they knew that I don't know if we're supposed to know him, but they know him from another time and place. Um, and actually, I forgot the creative team. So the the writing on this is David Marriott, art by Jack Lawrence, colors by Brittany Spear Pierce, not Spear. Sorry, that's that's totally not right. Brittany Peer, letters by Jake M. Wood. And that is that. And my last book, uh, but not least, is 
Uh, Excalibur, number 25. Hmm. As I pull up this, um, there it is right there. Boop. Um, creative team, writer, Tenny Howard. Uh, artist, Marcus Toe. Uh, color artist Eric Arciniega uh, and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. Um, yeah, say one thing I wanted to note on this is a shout out to Marcus Toe for sticking with this book. Indeed. He's been on since Jump. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he's done every issue. Obviously, he needs breaks here and there. Right. But he's been on Excalibur since they relaunched it uh, during Hawksbox or mm-hmm. after Hawksbox. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's just, and the art's been pretty consistent, I, I can safely say. Um, and I don't, didn't make any notes of this, but basically, um, there's a siege going on in, in Otherworld. Um, Merlin's trying to uh, usurp uh, Saturnine, and apparently at the end of this book may or may not have done that. We don't, there was a lot going on in this issue. Um, I don't know if uh, Agent Seventy had a chance to, to to skim through this or not, or or plans on it. But there's um, yeah, some things some things end up happening, not necessarily final uh, finally, or with any finality. Uh, but like I said, there's a whole big ass thing going on. Um, it seems to be going back and forth, but at the end, it kind of goes one way without giving it away. Uh, and Excalibur is kind of on one side of this, um, is on one side of this fight. Um, and also Betsy and Saturnine end up someplace. I I think we're supposed to know, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, and that is it folks. Cause I didn't get a chance to read Hellions, but I heard something happen in there this week. But, um, regardless, Hellions is winding down. I think they're yes. about to reach the end of that particular volume I believe or that's run. True. Mm-hmm. So, which is weird because they kind of could have done that a couple of issues ago with, uh, or a few issues ago with uh, how how it ended. But apparently, <laughs> not unlike Savage Avengers, they I guess they had a couple more things to to get out of the get out of the way. Gotcha. All right, so I guess we've got clicks of the week com- incoming. Mm-hmm. We do. <laughs> And we do have one, surprisingly enough, from Dirt, uh, who says that his is, which luckily I ended up pulling this book's cover, so that's great. Um, What's the furthest place from here? Number one, from Image Comics. Uh, He says, let's see. uh, He read it, it was fine, so I guess that was his default click. Okay, the main problem, it is... Uh, it really didn't seem to push the story in a particular direction for the follow-up, but the world-building was good, according to him. Okay. I mean, I had this pulled to read in terms of, uh, you know, especially, you know, we, we, we've said this before, I, I, I do my best to try out number one issues. Same. So I have this on my list of things to try to get to this week. I just couldn't get to it. Mm-hmm. So... I'm interested to see, uh, you know, to, to see if uh, PCN underscore Dirt's uh, take on the book stands up after I take a look at it. So, all right, thanks. All right. Um, yeah, we didn't get anything from Tim, but he's probably been busy. Um, oh, all right. 
Uh, do you have? I know we. I know you have candidates. I can tell I you do. that. You know, based on my limited amount of reading this week, my candidates are essentially Strange Academy, and probably. Um, I want to say probably Miles because I enjoyed Taskmaster, you know, kind of beating up on Starling and Miles. <laughs> you know, I kind of got a kick out of that. I'm just like, oh, he's just punking them left and right. Uh, so I think those are my two. You know, uh, you know, uh, the thing issue, the first issue was okay to me. You know, I, I still bumped on the whole. You know, the thing being. Uh, weakened by pepper spray, we both understand the technical uh, the technical reasons why the thing would still be vulnerable to a pepper spray or macing to hit the face. Mm-hmm. But it's still I, I still bump very hard on it. Obviously, it makes a ton of sense, as I said, but I bumped so hard on it, so uh, it, it might take me a while to kind of recover from that. So I will probably go with Strange Academy number 13, just because I thought it's the latest in a string of very strong issues. Right. Yes, and we've 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 said this multiple times, Strange Academy has, has been consistently a great book, so I, I, I can't fault you for that. Um, and while that, that is definitely one of my, um, potentials, uh, that static season one, number four is also one. And, uh, I guess miles was also one for me, um, uh, in a way weirdly enough. And as much as I hate to say this amazing was kind of almost a, 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 cl- a potential click. <laughs> and that is only on the strength of the fact that uh, you got Monarch Rambo and you got Daughters of the Dragon, you know, and they're, they're what's the going on. Yeah, we got the stronger Beyond Corp next wave connection in that right. issue. Yeah, I definitely get, I definitely feel that, uh, I feel you on that. And I hated myself for the introduction because, again, like we've not been caring about seeing this book, uh, seeing this, uh, seeing this arc uh, or whatever this. Uh, definitely have not been looking at it with a kind eye. Yes, we're big. And we, you know, and and our cynicism reigns supreme on that. As Roddy Cat is want to, you know, he likes to mention the fact that I I put it out on you know out on Front Street right at the beginning that I suspected, and it's it's turned out exactly that way that this book would continually feed us little snippets of mm-hmm. what's going on with Peter Parker mm-hmm. just to keep us on the hook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's happening. It's actually still ha- it's it's happening. Yeah, Whether or not they kind of try to cut it off, like literally cut it off the way Slot did back during um, uh, what you call it, Superior Spider Man, where mm-hmm. he he made it appear that the spirit of Peter Parker was finally extingu- extinguished. So we don't know if that's going to happen in this book. Which even then was kind of a stupid way to handle it, but we let it ride. Right. Um. Damn it! I forgot to bring, read Black Manta. I knew there was something I was gonna uh, had intended to read, but oh well. Um, Black Manta number three is out there for 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 those. That, maybe I'll talk about this at some other point. But my click of the week is going to. I think I've. Yeah, I will go with this. Static season one number four is going to be my click of the week. Like I definitely enjoy Strange Academy and Miles, and even that magic book and um and whatever I said about amazing, but um. I am definitely going to go with uh, Static. 
Actually, good. weirdly enough, it actually made me go back and um, want to watch the show. As if that wasn't that wasn't going to happen already, but the animated show, right? Yes. Um, because even going into this, I was like, well, because there are some things that happened in this book we know is not was not going to happen. I mean, did not definitely happen in the show because if you know anything about the the, the original version of um, uh, Static Shock, he had a, div- a different costume than the one that that's on the show, and I suspect at some point he might get it in this uh, in this book. But it's a, a, a starkly different. Uh, 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 costume for one. In fact, the the even when he put it on in this one, I'm like I'm surprised they actually kept that because it's one from the original milestone run, and there's you know some interesting imagery that for 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 some from some folks in the know. Uh, although they don't go into why uh, uh, he's they're using that, which it doesn't matter because like I said, this is a re- retelling or a reboot of um, of the property, so. That being said, we are going to go into the news section, but first, an ad read. All right. Our first ad read is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off... And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Yes, uh, we start as we do about this time with the cinematic news as I pull it up. First up, um, depending on what source uh, you go with, some would say Vin Diesel pleaded. Some would say he, um, I don't know, it's not actually, but whatever. Vin Diesel talks to in, takes to Instagram to ask Dwayne Johnson to return for Fast 10. Because I saw you seen in had articles talking about he was pleading <laughs> for 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 the, for the, for the Rock to be in. I'm sitting here like really seeing in. You could do do better. Uh, I but, think you know what's funny about that. I think that? hold hold your thought. I think that from certain perspectives, a lot of people think that the Rock, you know, resuscitated the Fast and Furious franchise. I think he injected new blood, but I don't think he resuscitated it because I think Fast Five on its own, you know, as a whole, resuscitated the franchise. So I think he was a part of it, but not the sole reason. I so I think there are people who think that he's the sole reason, and that's where those headlines are, you know, people who think that way are the authors of those types of headlines. That's my <laughs> perspective, at least. Yeah, I, I can, yeah. 
Yeah, I can see that. But um, as as this article says, I mean, um, Vin Diesel seems to be imploring join the the Rock to to set whatever differences they have, which they had already had. So I don't even know why he's saying it like that. Because apparently that whole thing had been quote unquote squashed. Uh, well, this. I mean, that what was it? The Vanity Fair article that came out, you know, uh, recently in in advance of uh, you know Red Notice and the promos for for uh black adam right you know i i think part of that kind of brought some of that back to the forefront even though they didn't really you know actively address it so mm-hmm. yeah so stoking the fires for no damn reason um yeah regardless it is what it is so you know vin diesel instagram he said hey no one basically it says here i'm just gonna read the last line of this um uh, Hobbs can't be played by no other. I hope you can rise. I hope that you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. Like he's the emperor or something. Like what is, <laughs> like what is, what is going on here with that? That's so funny. Uh, like I said, it's, it's an amusing now here's okay. Hold on. I should read it. I'm gonna read out this whole thing. I'm sorry. My little brother, Dwayne, <laughs> the time has come. The world awaits the, the finale of Fast Two. No, I'm not gonna do that because I can hurt my voice. Uh, as you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Wayne in my house. There is not another. And you, if you're watching the video version of this, you can see this. So there's not a holiday that goes by that they don't send the by that they and you don't send well wishes. But the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best fans in the. Fast in the finale, that is 10. Which I guess one day said there was two more coming, but sure, okay. Um, I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have. Well, there are two coming. They're splitting 10 into two parts. That's my understanding. Oh, okay. I was thinking it was like an 11 and 12 situation, but that's even dumber. Anyway, um, to finish this up, I say this out of love. It's a a Harry Potter. Yeah, I know. Or, yeah, or Twilight or whatever other stupidity. Um, Or Lord of the Rings, actually. I went to Harry Potter. You went to Twilight. (laughs) I mean, they've done, but they've done this because, well, yeah, because I think Harry Potter was the first one to do it, and then Twilight followed it up, and I think some other franchise did it also. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter at this point. Unnecessarily making two one thing into two. So, so stupid. And I'm, but anyway, uh, I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave the franchise out of the loop. I already said that last part. This whole thing was like, really? <laughs> I was like, that is the, the most overwrought Instagram post that I have ever read, I believe. And I feel like that's not hyperbole for me saying that. It was just funny though when I saw this. So that's the thing. Whether he, whether um, the Rock answers it or whatever the case may be, we will see. Next up. <laughs> oh boy! All right. So the upcoming Star Wars series, The Acolyte, um, will explore the rise of. Oh, I just opened this. I'm an idiot. 
We'll explore the rise of the dark side. So we really don't know that much about the upcoming live-action Star Wars series, The Acolyte. The initial description explained it as, quote, a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. So thanks to a new report from the Illuminati, Illuminati, we have some new details to share with you that offer some interesting additional insight. The High Republic is set two years before the Skywalker saga begins. This era has only been explored in a series of books and comics so far. It is the golden age of the Jedi. This series, however, the uh, the Acolyte, will cover the period of this, era, of this era where the prosperity of the Jedi comes to an end. The new report says the story for the series will, quote, specifically explore the rise of the dark side. In those final days of the High Republic era, the Acolyte has the opportunity to explore the dark side in a way the franchise never has on screen before. I guess at this point, we are going to find out whether there can really be only another. Indeed. The show was being developed by showrunner Leslie Headland, and she previously revealed that the series was heavily inspired by The Phantom Menace. I'm not going to go into this. That actually gives me pause. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, I will go. I guess I will take this time to say that we are on the eve of uh, Disney Plus Day. Oh, yes. So I would probably strongly believe that we are going to get more information on this and some other things uh, uh, tomorrow as of the time of this recording, uh, which is uh, uh, November 11th. I completely spaced on that because that is probably going to be a source of much of our new story, of many of our new stories next week. Oh, yes. I believe that is the case. So stay tuned right. for that. And for Roddy Cat to have a chance to finally watch Shang-Chi. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Actually, there's something on, uh, speaking of, actually, um, Disney Plus will let you watch Shang-Chi and 12 other Marvel movies in large IMAX format. Um, so apparently, okay, please stop. Okay, that's just a thing. A Marvel superhero is about to get big, 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 bigger on your TV. Disney Plus announced today, uh, well, uh, as of November 8th, rather, uh, that it's adding an expanded IMAX aspect ratio for 13 Marvel titles, including Shang-Chi and Black Panther on November 12th, aka Disney's Day. Um, and it goes into the aspect ratio. We'll look up to 20% uh, taller than the typical uh, widescreen format in Marvel films. So those annoying black bars will almost disappear while you're watching scenes shot in IMAX. You'll still see some slight bars, though, as the IMAX format doesn't completely fill 16 by 9 um, widescreen TVs. So, yeah, before this the Disney Plus partnership, IMAX and DTS brought the IMAX enhanced home viewing format to a handful of TV streaming Services like Sony's Bravia Core, which who knows what the heck that is even anymore. Um, see, IMAX my IMAX-ified films will have a prominent label on their Disney Plus screens, and you'll be able to launch the standard widescreen version if you prefer. Prefer, excuse me, I don't know what's going on. Mm, hiccups or burpees. Um, physical Blu-ray collectors are already used to shifting IMAX uh, aspect ratios in some films. Most notably, The Dark Knight, Tenet, and Mission Impossible, Fallout, yada, yada, yada. But regardless, so, so yeah, starting tomorrow, you will see some IMAX-ified um, uh, Marvel movies on Disney+. And again, I'm pretty sure they will go over this again on uh, t- tomorrow uh, during their Disney 
uh, Disney Plus Day shenanigans. Next up. Next up, after, weeks after Sony dropped the first teaser trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home, the studio finally released the first official teaser poster for the upcoming blockbuster. Similar to an ad released in Australia last week, the official poster adds some more artwork in the background, namely the Green Goblin hovering on his glider. As you might suspect, fans of the Spider-Man franchise quickly celebrated the character's official confirmation, getting the iconic villain to trend within minutes of the poster's official release. And I'm like, duh, unless they were going to have the Hobgoblin chucking one of those pumpkin bombs. So, Which, that would be uh, an interesting move for them to do. Exactly. So ultimately, you know, this, this wasn't as big a deal to me. But I guess people love having confirmation. Sure. And if you're watching the video version, you can see the, the poster along with a, um, a, a, a zoomed-in uh, image of said character which looks like it was photoshopped in the picture <laughs> right. uh, but next up uh, let's see Supergirl series finale fight is a family affair it's a family affair uh, let's see Supergirl's latest episode saw how much trouble the truth totem causes uh, through its lasso of truth like powers the totem convinced uh, Nixley to trust Lex Luthor setting up the duo to be stronger than ever as a villainous power couple ready to fight the super friends. Stronger than before. Uh, but basically, let's see. Supergirl is ending the two-hour finale, and I believe it has happened by now. And yes, uh, November 9th. So at this time, you probably would have already seen it if you were watching that show. Um, and apparently everybody, should, not everybody, but a lot of people showed up. Uh, for it, um, and it was a it was a whole thing, but uh, this article has a clip from said uh, finale that you could check out if if you have not uh, watched the episode yet. So have at it. Next up, alrighty. So in a story that screams it's because of the supply chain, but we can kind of guess that it's not. But you know, chalk it up to the pandemic. You know, thanks COVID. Transformers Rise of the Beasts has been pushed a year in a new Star Trek movie to beam up over Christmas 2023. So this is uh, just in from Paramount. Transformers Rise of the Beasts will no longer be opening on June 24th, 2022, but rather a little bit less than a year later on June 9th, 2023. The new Star Trek movie they've been that that's been in development won't launch on June 9th, 2023, but rather six months later, a little bit more than six months later, on December 22nd, 2023. So these are some delays over at Paramount Pictures. Yes, please do not reboot Roadhouse. This is totally unnecessary. Next up, though... Um, Wait, where did that come from? Uh, the, the on the bottom of that deadline article, there was a apparently oh. there's yeah there was another article. So, I gotcha. Yeah, uh, Animaniacs I probably that? closed that article too quickly to see it. Okay, I should have closed it before I saw that, but hey, it is what it is. Um, Animaniacs revives a canceled Looney Tunes character to cancel him over again. And I guess this is a spoiler for the for the new season, which I guess has started. I'm not sure. 
I was about to say I haven't watched it, so I can't tell you. I gotta I gotta jump on Hulu and check that out. Yeah. So well, then I won't go into who it is and what it is, but um. Oh, I already saw it in our summary, so go ahead. It's fine. Oh, okay. Well, then in that case, uh, Pepper Le Pew, uh, who was also oh. re- recently cut <laughs> from Marcelli. Huh. That's that ha ha, Marcelli. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> and it, this article basically knows... Pepper Le Pew was like Gambit, you know, for the Looney Tunes era. Kind of, but well, nah, not mm, yes, kind not of, nearly, not, not nearly as uh, baby. It's cold outside. I get you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't remember if we talked about this when this happened. But uh, Pepper Le Pew was cut from Space Jam: The New A New Legacy, which probably is not the only thing that should have been cut from that movie. But we're not going to talk. We about like that. should have been cut. Oh no, shots. Fired. Did I say shots fired? I really mean shots were fired. <laughs> Indeed. But uh necessity Pepe Pepe hasn't been a Yeah, hey, I didn't even watch the movie and, and, and I feel like LeBron should have been cut from the movie. But anyway. That movie probably shouldn't have even happened, but I did watch it, so I I can still oh, no. say that. Um I mean, was it yeah, man, that movie you should watch it. You you shouldn't watch it, but you should watch it. <laughs> uh, and ringing endorsement Roddy Cat gives. Gotcha. Hey, look, I call him like I see him. So, um, but yeah, so back to this, though. Apparently, uh, Pepper Le Pew showed up on the Animaniacs in a recent episode and got uh, rubbed out. Actually, um, I guess literally. <laughs> According to what this, uh, this Im- image implies. So, yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. See, uh, the Pepe cameo occurs in the first segment of Animaniacs Season 2, Episode 7. So there's been seven episodes already in Season 2? I'm sure they did a bunch. You know, I don't think they, uh, I don't think they do, they're, they're, they're um, distributing it on a weekly basis. Right. I'm going to point, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pull it up now and, and check it out, but uh I don't think they posted them on a weekly basis like the way they uh, some some shows have been kind of uh, copying the Marvel formula. Right. So also, uh, let's also I mean, also I don't know the, the 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 use of the word canceled in this in this um, this article. You know I don't I don't I feel some kind of way about that because like this is getting low. Like, it's time for anime. Oh, yeah, it looks like they're all up. Okay. The seasons are all up. There's 13 episodes in total for season two. Gotcha. I still haven't seen season one, but I'll get to those now that I have, uh, now that I have access. Uh, but regardless, that is a thing. You can go check it out for yourself. Next. Uh, sorry, I'm literally uh, poking around on my iPad to take a look at Animaniacs. All right, next and last up in our cinematic news, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean trailer reveals a Netflix release date. Uh, the Bizarre Adventure continues. A new trailer for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean reveals when the highly anticipated anime will premiere on Netflix. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Stone Ocean adapts part six of the manga and brings the action to 2011 Florida. Why on earth would you visit Florida in any time period? The most significant addition to this season is the first female protagonist of the show, uh, Joylene. 
So let's see when the uh, date is. So now what's been revealed is that the first 12 episodes of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean will premiere December 1st on Netflix. So if you are interested, tune into Netflix at that time. JoJo's! Yeah. Um... Yeah, admittedly, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure... Partially thanks to Roddy Cat's very frank review of the series in general is a little lower on my anime <laughs> list. Watch. It should have been it's higher just, because of there, what I said. It's there. It's just a little lower. It Believe it or not, I'm, doing my, I'm trying to restart my Naruto watch finally because oh it's been a while. I've been doing a lot of short animes. But now I'm like, you know what? Let me jump into something that's a little bit longer and has a lot of lore to it, like Naruto, because it has that and Shippuden, Shippuden uh, after that. And that's a lot of episodes to kind of um, make my way through. So I think I'm ready now after doing a bunch of short ones. I'm just going to put this out here. You can get through JoJo's way faster than you could get through Naruto at this point. Right. I mean, I understand what those headbands are now, you know, that I see everyone wearing. But, you know, at cons and whatnot and in pictures. But ultimately, I feel like I'll get more out of watching Naruto and figuring out, you know, some of the some of the uh, the, the cultural uh, influences that it's had. And some of the influence that it's had on our popular culture. Sure. Um, you know what? And it might even set you, know, you up for some from, from some JoJo's in a very small way. Right. I would also say that I think that... Uh, at least in the popular culture here in the United States, I think Naruto has, has had a bigger effect than One Piece, even though I know worldwide One Piece has a much bigger footprint in terms of uh, uh, its readership and its viewership. So mm. at least that's my anecdotal reason for starting on Naruto as opposed to jumping into One Piece, which is ridiculous. Hmm. Like I said, purely anecdotal on my part. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm saying the One Piece thing, which is at this point to me, in, in slightly impenetrable, knowing what it, well it is, um, mm-hmm. is because of the length of it, and also, whoops, sorry about that, um, the length of it, and. I don't know. I feel like that's more of a. I'm sure I'm going to catch something from. I don't care. Probably a more millennial thing because. <laughs> uh, Roddy Cat's looking to catch some strays right now. Yeah, whatever. Fight me. That's yeah. funny. Because even as long as One Piece is burned out, I was like, yeah, I see younger, much younger people than I am getting into to, to One Piece. I'm like, you know what? Y'all can have that. Um, All right. But regardless, uh, moving right along to the comic book news. Uh, insom- oh, sorry, go ahead. Hit the thing. Oh, yes, we are going to transition. I didn't. Even, I, I completely spaced on the fact that we had reached the end of uh, the cinematic news. I really did. Insomniac's Wolverine will feature gouges, severs, and gashes. Uh, yeah, so apparently little, um, little is known officially, uh, about Marvel's Wolverine, uh, whether, rather, Marvel's Wolverine's announcement teaser set the stage for the game's violent tone, which is appropriate since Wolverine's arguably one of Marvel's most violent characters. Um, 
So apparently, skipping just a little bit of this, um, Drew Murray from the Insomniac uh, has recently shared a job posting from Sean McCabe, ins- uh, Insomniac's head of technology, about a gameplay programmer role at Insomniac. Uh, Murray chimes in to depict the degree of brutality in Marvel's Wolverine when he states that the repetitive, the screaming, the respective programmer will be able responsible for cuts, slashes. Gouges, severs, gashes, stabs, snicks, and everything else that goes with moving and playing as uh, Logan. So take that for what you will. Um, if they could find who was ever associated with um, X-Men Origins Wolverine, they may want to hire some of them if they don't already have to. I'm not saying X-Men Origins Wolverine is a great game, but it does what it does. As a kind of a God of War-ish type um, situation. But you take that for what it is. And I say that as a person who have has recently replayed that uh, in in the past year. In this past year, actually. Um, oh. And you can go on my um, Twitch channel if you want to go see highlights of that. But yeah, do, it, do it what you will. Um, so yeah, so and if there's uh, some perspective programmer looking for a job uh, at Insomniac, because Lord knows if I had the skills, I would. Um, there you go. Next up. We finally get a look, a first look, at Spider-Man in Marvel's Avengers video game. So IGN can exclusively reveal the introductory trailer for Spider-Man in Marvel's Avengers video game, which shows off Crystal Dynamics' take on Peter Parker for the first time. The trailer is a cinematic cinematic rather than straight gameplay, but gives us an idea of Spider-Man's acrobatic moveset, web-shooting abilities, and all but confirms web-swinging and wall-crawling across the game's environments. Okay. Yeah, I believe this is the last big one that people have been looking forward to, and this one got delayed just like the Black Panther one did, but at least the Black Panther one was out. So, yeah, so now that's finally coming... Um, to round out, I believe round out the DLC for Marvel's Avengers. I can't remember, but regardless, it's it's coming at some point. The Black. X-Men and the Black Panther, the, the, I said the Black Panther anyway. So the X-Men and the Black Knight entered the Death of Doctor Strange event together. Ah. Um, I mean, it's, it's not that big of a surprise at this point because we kind of know why the Black Knight is involved. Um... Marvel's The Death of Doctor Strange continues in December and continues to expand the... Corporate synergy, that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and continues to expand that same month with the event's latest tie-in, one-shot Death of Doctor Strange, X-Men, Black Knight, number one, which will be on sale December 19th. Um, wow, I got a lot of tabs open here on this one. Um, the, the unusual hero pairing is written by Cy Spurrier with art by his Way of X partner... Um, Bob Quinn and the cover by Corey Smith. Uh, Spurrier was also the writer of Black the the recent uh, Black Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade limited series, which I never read. Did you? Say again. I said uh, Cy Spurrier wrote that uh, Black Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade limited series. I don't think I read that. I think I read the Frank Thierry Black Knight, but not that one. Gotcha. Oh, was that the one where he was in uh, Weird World? Yeah. yeah, huh? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I didn't read that one either. Regardless, um, 
I guess this this article is kind of going on to explain uh, why the two are pairing up, and it's as uh, I feel like shortcutting it by saying, uh, echoing what uh, Agent Seventy said: synergy, corporate synergy. Mm. So, but yeah, it kind of goes into what that 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 this whole thing is about. We'll we'll talk about that when we get there. Next up. Next up. So this is interesting to me because I didn't. You know, when I saw some of the advertisements for this or the teases of this, I was like, they're doing a what team? Mm-hmm. So these aren't the X-Men you know. This is straight from Marvel. But they are a force to be reckoned with. The X-Men vote candidates, these are the characters who were listed on the ballot, have now come together for a vital mission in Teeny Howard and Francesco Mobili's Secret X-Men number one that is due out this February. So... Strong Guy, Forge, Tempo, Boom Boom, Marrow, Armor, Cannonball, Sunspot, and Banshee were listed early this year as X-Men characters who were choices in the mega-popular X-Men vote. While they ultimately were not chosen as the final member of the Krakoan Age's first team of X-Men, the vote took social media by storm, blah 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 So now these characters are seeing their chosen candidate. These, these fans are seeing their chosen candidates in action in Secret X-Men number number one. This special one-shot, written by Excalibur and and Ten of Swords scribe Tinny Howard, and drawn by Daredevil artist Francesco Mobili, will bring all nine of these mutant heroes together for a secret mission to the stars. So when the Shi'ar Empire faces an unexpected threat, they must call upon the X-Men. And Team Co-Captain Sunspot and Cannonball will lead the rest of these characters on a dangerous mission to save a figure of paramount importance, the daughter of Professor X and Empress of the Shi'ar, Zandra. Okay, that character has made uh, appearances recently, so uh, it makes sense that they would tie in that character in a current story. Right, and always someone to be rescued uh, or or saved uh, um, also, because when she first got, well, I think when she first got introduced, was in that Rogue uh, Gambit uh, miniseries. Right, and, you know, I think they're still uh, exploiting the fact that she's very young. Right. You know, she's not as capable as Lalandra right. eventually became, so. Right, and in fact, I believe it was a uh, recent, um... wait, was it? Was, was it, it Sword? I believe. I believe there was. I think it was an issue of Sword. Yeah, it was the last issue, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that, that was the case. It was either, yeah, because it wasn't Excalibur, because they were still doing things. So, yeah, I believe it was Sword. Right, because I think they were on Arako. Correct. And Correct. I believe Zandra. I think they used that to, they, they used that to introduce uh, some characters who were powerful enough to take down uh, some of the lesser-known members of the uh, Imperial Guard. They damn nearly took them all out. Um, but yes. Uh, that's right, because I think you hadn't read it at the, at the time. Uh, so I assume... Exactly. Yeah, you had gone back and read that. But yeah, so here we are now. So I kind of feel like... The only thing I can say about this, I feel like... Part of me feels like they kind of had this going on. I was like, well, since these people weren't picked, whoever doesn't get picked, we're just going to put them on a team. I, I feel like that was the thing. I can't, I have no knowledge or no, you know, thought behind that, but I feel like that's kind of something they would have already put out there. So, I mean, I'm going to read it. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't as, matter. yeah, as a strategy, a plan B, I get it. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, we'll see if it is. Um, I mean, Tenny Tenny Harvey's been doing been doing pretty well so far. So hey, it's nice to see them using Sunspot and Cannonball. You know, yes. putting them back up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could use less of Marrow, but hey. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a slight X Force slash um, U.S. Avengers mix. Um, with some of the same people, obviously, but um, with except wait, because Boom Boom. I don't know if she was on that, but regardless, X Force. Um, so yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, I guess yeah, Armor's back there. So uh, Banshee, who's probably going to die in the first art, and I'm stop. <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. not. Enough of that. <laughs> or turn into a zombie, which that whole thing was real stupid. Oh god. Yeah. Anyway, next up. Hey, shout um, out to uh, you know, uh, call, you know, this is, this is actually a, a call out of uh, Hasbro. We need a Banshee Marvel Legends figure sooner rather than later, please. Hmm. I thought we wait. There's not one. Not a Hasbro one. Oh, uh, okay. So it's a um, Toy Fair one. Toy Biz. Toy Biz. Yeah. Toy- Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man takes on a new superhero identity in Marvel's multiversal uh, Avengers series. Uh, the multiverse is taking over the Marvel Universe. That's kind of true. Um, fans have gotten a glimpse of the multiverse in the Loki series. Um, this Plus series, excuse me, and we'll see more in Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. However, Marvel Comics is not looking to be outdone. I don't know how, how, is, how is that being outdone when it's their stuff. Anyway, uh, as the publisher plans to launch Avengers Forever... Um, which again, I believe they've done before. A new series focused on the Earth's Mightiest Heroes from across the multiverse. A preview of December's uh, Avengers, for- Avengers Forever number one, written by Jason Aaron, artist Aaron Cooter, and colorist Jason Keith, finds a variant of Tony Stark taking on a new superhero identity that isn't Iron Man. Excuse me. Um. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and spell it, because it says it right here. Meet Tony Stark, the Invincible Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. In one of the many alternate realities of uh, Avengers Forever, Tony Stark becomes an archaeologist instead of an inventor and takes up the mantle of Ant-Man. Uh, in the preview pages, Tony Ant-Man is chased by a swarm of venomized ants, discovers Mjolnir, and attempts to pick it up, and um, looks over cave drawings depicting the same seven symbols representing their prehistoric Avengers. So I guess they're still tying that into whatever this thing is. Um, so yeah, we're not going to go any further than that. And that's kind of, um, again, well, I'm a read the next, I'll say the next, the next story expands upon this a little bit. So mm-hmm. let me roll right into that. Go for it. So Avengers forever trailer has been released by Marvel. This article is written by, by our very own Tim Adam. And actually the last uh, one was too. Oh, was the last one? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't look at it. I have this one in front of me. So, um, so uh, you know, as, as Roddy Cap mentioned, Marvel Comics is taking fans on a tour of the multiverse, and specifically here in a trailer for Avengers Forever, the all-new ongoing from Jason Aaron and Aaron Cooter. So what, uh, you know, and if we haven't made this clear before, apparently, and I won't get into the characters, that's what Roddy Cap just talked about, um, what uh, happens in this uh, trailer is that you know we get a recap of some of the other runs. Um, what we have, you know, also in the trailer, some previews of some upcoming issues and and images of upcoming issues. 
Uh, specifically, we have a description from Jason Aaron saying that Avengers number 50, the upcoming issue, lights the fire. Avengers forever is the explosion that follows. Jason Aaron explained a slam bang supernova of a mega bomb that sends shockwaves across all of reality to Earth after Earth that's been defaced by the new multiversal masters of evil who we've seen recently in the pages of Avengers. And we'll see how. Uh, whether or not the sister Avengers title is going to have any sort of staying power. And this uh, Avengers Forever number one goes on sale December 22nd. Oh, you're on mute, Rodicat. That premise sounds slightly familiar, but we're going to roll with it. Um, Next up, though... um... And I don't know if uh, Agent Seven is familiar with this, but '90s Spider-Man spinoff team, The Slingers. Oh, I remember them in February. I do not, but as we we have well known, established my '90s uh, uh, comic reading was a little hazy. So, um, but yeah, it says if you're um, a Spider-Man, I was writing at the Woodstock period. Apparently, um, it was a little hazy. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, hey, hey, look, I, other things was going on outside of comics, so I wasn't, you know, wasn't sure, really sure, sure. Yeah, not not to say that you know there was any other recreational things going on. It totally <laughs> wasn't. Um, but yeah, if you're a Spider-Man fan of a certain age, you almost certainly remember the Slingers, a team of teen heroes who spun off of, from Spider-Man in the late '90s. And for those fans who finally remember the oddball team, you're in luck. As the Slingers are coming back in, uh, coming coming back this February in Amazing Spider-Man uh, 88 uh, Bay. <laughs> I hated to read it like that, but that's, there you go. Yeah, I um, get it. Yes, uh, as in that is the that is basically the um, the point five of the Beyond uh, <laughs> of the Beyond arc. Uh, the Slingers originally started out as a four separate as four separate alternate uh, superhero identities used by Peter Parker at a time when it was too risky to be seen as Spider-Man because he was accused of murder. Uh, taking on a different identity. They gave me Taking on a which actually that comes into play because they just reissued uh, um, a Grand Theft Auto. San Andreas, but um, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, Taking on a different identity for each of of his four ongoing Spider-Man titles of that era, uh, Peter began operating in different different titles as Hornet, Ricochet, Dusk, and Prodigy. I did not know of any of this. Uh, four new identities that keyed in on different aspects of Peter's powers, and which also carried their own weapons and abilities. And now I'm slightly kind of wanting to know if this is on Marvel Unlimited, if any of this is. If it's not, it I'm probably will sure be. Huh? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll confirm that while I read the next story. Marvel's Fantastic Four lands a new cosmic miniseries. Marvel Comics announced a new Fantastic Four Infinity comic from Zach Gorman, Stefano Landini, and Ian Herring. And the story is available now. This, the first issue of this is available now on Marvel Unlimited. Okay. It's a four-part series. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars writer teases details of Crimson Rain event, which is the, base, uh, the next uh, Star Wars event uh, to happen in the comics. Uh, earlier this year, the War of the Bounty Hunters event in the pages of Star Wars comics brought with it a number of exciting reveals. 
not only for underexplored elements of the franchise, but also bringing it with it new ramifications for what we thought we knew in the narrative. A key component of the narrative was establishing that the criminal organization of the Crimson Dawn was alive and well during the events of the original trilogy, thanks to the, uh, the leadership of Kira. Uh, with the upcoming Crimson Reign event set to explore the next chapter, chapter in the organization's history. Writer Charles Soule recently hinted at one of the plot points of the event, which features the Knights of Ren heading to Mustafar. Uh, quote, uh, in Crimson Rain, there are a lot of things that happen, right? It's very, very cool. It's a big, sprawling story. Uh, it's the middle chapter of this trilogy. It's a three-act structure. Soul shared with, uh, with the Broxium... Broxium? Yes, Broxium podcast. Act 1 is setup, Act 2 is complication, and Act 3 is resolution. Uh, so that's basically a big, <laughs> that's how, the, that's basically how the Star Wars arcs pretty much go. Um, this is a complication. And one of the complications that happen are that the Knights of Ren pulled a heist on Fortress Vader. Uh, I'm not going to go into further in, in, in that, but yeah, some things happen and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see as a five issue limited series. Uh, will be the second installment of the trilogy that began in this year's uh, War of the Bount- War- Bounty Hunters crossover, which is still going on, by the way. It's, it's starting to end, but still going on um, as of uh, this recording. Next up. Oh, I didn't open the story. One moment, folks. All right, what are we up to? Marvel and Dark Horse announced mm-hmm. the art of the Masters of the Universe of Revelation. Uh, Mattel is seeing success with their new Masters of the Universe Revelation series on Netflix, and now they've teamed up with Dark Horse to uh, announce a new art book for the series, The Art of Masters of the Universe Revelation. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's uh, It'll be on sale April 6, 2022, and pre-orders, are, I guess, are going on now. Doesn't say how much, yes. though. Uh, Dragon Ball Super completely erases GT from continuity, apparently. The reason why I'm <laughs> clapping is that uh, I definitely heeded Roddy Cat's advice on this and did not watch GT in my massive, massive binge of the Dragon Ball anime. And, um, you know, I, I actually am eagerly waiting to listen to the story. Go ahead. So this is basically about the manga, which I don't. I'm would be surprised if they don't adapt into the uh, upcoming um, um, Dragon Ball Super uh, arc. Eventually, eventually, yes. right? Exactly. Um, but uh, it says here that uh, the continuity of expanded uh, Dragon Ball universe has gotten a bit muddied with the with the the story storyline beyond Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Um, uh, basically, it, it, this article goes on to say that uh, the beginning of Super kind of over overwrote GT, which it totally did, um, mm-hmm. which uh, Akira Toriyama had nothing to do with, uh, you know, uh, didn't want to have anything to do with, um, which is why some of this is going on. Uh, but it also says here that... Um, yeah, Dragon Ball GT wasn't written by Toriyama, like I said, uh, but not ad- adapted to any manga. Uh, GT supposedly happens after Z. Um, um, if folks don't know, Goku was turned back into a child. We won't go into any of that. 
Um, but basically it says here that the short answer to the posed question or whatever that might be is, uh, that Dragon Ball Super eliminates GT, uh, for a number of reasons and that this article is going to go into because of partially because of the fact that Toriyama is, uh, writing this. Um, oh, okay. This isn't like an announcement or anything. It's just an opi- like a like a position kind of an piece. Opinion okay. piece. Yeah, but basically, um, there's some other say. Actually, there's a um, there's a, another article that is in the clickbait section about something else that is uh, that I think is going to be going on within Super about Gokhan and his power set. So you can check that out in the clickbait section. Um, but yeah, but the rest of the article pretty much goes on to into the differences between Super and GT and why it's um, why it's being written out or why you know it's uh, not canon. Gotcha. All right. Next up, then um, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate is about to get even better for subscribers. Crunchyroll Premium is now available to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members. The news comes courtesy of the Xbox blog and is what was being teased as something orange coming to the service. Okay. (laughs) The offering itself is courtesy of the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Perks. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, uh, we're all still waiting on what's going to happen with Crunchyroll being bought out by Funimation. So, you know, it's interesting to see that Crunchyroll is still making moves. Yeah. On its own, you know, separate from Funimation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and don't tell them how long that's going to be. And um, so this is good if you have not subscribed to the service before or you have another um, um, email address that you can use um, <laughs> to do this because it's for new subscribers only, obviously, not for people who've been with the service for any length of time, such as myself. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, and it's only for, let's see, it must be claimed by, by February 8th, 2022. Like I said, not valid, uh, for, for people who are already subscribed. And it says that, uh, new Crunchyroll users will be able to access 75 days of Crunchyroll premium mega fan at no additional cross. Still a good deal. If you're like, Hey, what's this thing about? And you know, want to poke around Crunchyroll because I think Crunchyroll is a great service personally. Uh, this is not a, they're not sponsored. I'm just saying for my own personal benefit, I, I enjoy it. Uh, so yeah, there's that next up though. Uh, Vampire Hunter D to return in audiobook for series. So it uh, seems that, um, so yeah, the classic Gothic tale Vampire Hunter D will return, return in audiobook format. Uh, the story of the Dampier known only as D will be adapted by graphic audio into multiple volumes with the first set, uh, released set to be released on December 15th. Uh, see, this goes into who's directing it and, and, and the behind the scenes, not behind the scenes, but what's, uh, who's behind it. Um, I, this is interesting kind of because Vampire Hunter D was one of the first, um, I guess modern anime that I've seen uh, back in the day. Um, and whether I'd listen to it, I, and I still think it's worth watching because it's real good. Uh, I can't say anything about the the, the 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 sequel, but hey, 
but if you are, are a fan of Vampire Hunter D, uh, then you should check this out. Uh, let's see. But you'd have to, uh, I guess, subscribe to Graphic Audio's Access app and uh, pay $11 or some change U.S. to for the uh, privilege to listen to these. Next up. All right. So I guess this is a minor spoiler. So Dark Knights of Steel is here revealing a medieval DC universe featuring this is from last week mm-hmm. uh, featuring some amazing variant covers that serve as D&D stats for DC's heroes. So what that means is that these variant covers feature actual Dungeons and Dragons style stats. Um, you know, the world of Dark Knights is Dark Knights of Steel, that is, is one of swords and sorcery, but it still features heroes such as Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman. And uh, D&D fans will also be able to play as their favorite DC heroes with new variant covers serving as character sheets, complete with their own unique stats. So this is a little weird because you get, um, you know, Superman with his highest score being strength at 20. And I'm trying to relate that to what I recall as <laughs> what a 20 was in D and D when we were when we were playing, or you know when I was playing when I was younger, but that's different now because of the D twenty system. So I don't know what a, a strength level of twenty really amounts to because Superman, you know, kind of seems like he's even beyond what a twenty would be in D and D. But I could be wrong. Well, but also this is a different take. That's kind of probably a little bit more grounded, grounded. a little yes. bit D and D style. Yeah. Right. So that that might not play out. I don't know. I did. I know Tim read this, but and I didn't have a chance to check this out. So, uh, but I probably will. But the fact that they did this, and I know there's been a lot of more uh, mixing between D and D and comic books uh, lately, um, uh, in 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 the past year, as we've seen with other stuff that we've talked about in the past. So it's cool. Yeah, like I don't know. Some of these this character sheets, like these are some. W- if they were actually rolled, I seriously doubt these numbers would come out the way they have. Because <laughs> let's be honest, I have rolled characters recently, and none of my rolls have been this good across the board. None of them. I was about to say, you need some weighted dice there, man. <laughs> You're not going to get those with those electronic clicks. Oh, well, no, no. I did actually... Um, I, had, I had actual dice rolls on at the very least one character. Actually, technically, I did the digital and physical on this one particular Campbell, so I went with one set. Uh, regardless, that regardless, but like I said, these are these are a little too even, a little too high in, in some oh, sure. respects. Um, but we are also dealing with uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, like the apex of the DC characters. So sure, but even still, with that, that seems a little little weighted on some things. Like this is I'm just saying. I know that. I agree. that has to be the case, you know? But anyway, let's move on. Well, I'm just saying, look at this. You know what? Yeah, we can talk about Roddy that later. <laughs> to dwell on this a little longer. I'm just saying, but we can talk about that later. Next up, though. This oh, is you. Me? Oh, uh, DC teases the future of uh, Gotham City's Outsiders and looks familiar. Uh, this is a this is spoilers for, I believe, this week's uh, Batman Urban Legends number nine. To which, uh, the long and the short of it is, um, I guess this is a, this is a, uh, Fear State tie-in, and, um, 
Yes, the fear state tie-in. Uh, if I said future state, I didn't mean that. But uh, regardless, uh, let's see. Duke Thomas is um, is able to radically alter the darker the darkest potential fate of uh, for future state. In the process, he changes the future for the outsiders, resulting in a new roster for the team that proves the team will remain a fixture for decades to come. According to this article, um, and it kind of goes into fear state and. Uh, Duke Thomas's a grown-up Duke Thomas's um, um, uh, impact, let's let's say, which we will not go on just in case someone uh, will will uh, want to read this. But apparently, yeah, this is a slightly different team of outsiders makeup uh, in this thing. Next up. DC has big plans for its Aquaman franchise in 2022, so a new Aquaman comic book is in the works. An editor for DC Comics shared a logo for a project titled Aquaman, which seems to allude to a possible team-up series or event starring current Aquaman Arthur Curry and Aqualad slash Jackson Hyde, who is destined to take on the role of Aquaman at some point in the future to coincide with the Future State timeline. Details remain scarce, but we do know the project involves writers Brandon Thomas and Chuck Brown, who are currently working on various Aquaman comics at DC. Okay. Yeah, apparently they're making uh, they're, they're making Aquaman a franchise because Chuck Brown is definitely doing that uh, that uh, Black Manta miniseries right now. So I guess there's, there, there's, that means there might be something else going on. So shout out to Chuck Brown. Uh, sure, it's a corner of the DC universe under the sea. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, but Aquaman. Actually, I saw this and I was like, Aquaman just reminds me of that Spider-Man, um, uh, uh, miniseries or those Spider-Man uh, miniseries from Marvel. Which I'm not saying that suggesting they're cribbing off of that. I'm just saying that it just seems similar. Darling, don't know what it's gonna be. Though. Take it from me. <laughs> so yeah, and it goes on to those stuff, including that uh, Aquaman Green Arrow thing that, that started last week. Anyway. Uh, is DC killing Superman again? Action Comics writer addresses fans' fears. Uh, so Action Comics uh, writer Philip Johnson, Philip Kennedy Johnson, reassured fans uh, worried about Clark Kent's recent exodus to War World and his son succeeding him as the Superman of Earth. Quote, unquote, I've been hearing from a lot of Superman fans, and I'm going to put quotes on that my personally, uh, who are scared by all of the recent speculation that World World is a part of some shady backdoor corporate plan to replace Clark as Superman. Uh, Johnson wrote on Twitter, to those fans, I don't know how to easy, uh, I guess, ease, ease your worries, I guess, um, without spoiling what's coming, and I can't do that. But I love um, Clark Kent as much as you do. Keep reading, and I promise we won't betray you. Superman is forever. End quote. So, yeah, I'm sure this has uh, something to do with uh, um, people uh, are brushing up against the fact that uh, John has come out as uh, bisexual. Uh, there is another article that I forgot to put in here that apparently the artist uh, for said book uh, have had death threats and had had to seek the uh, assistance of LAPD uh, in that, which is so very stupid. Um, but there is there is that. Next up, 
All righty. Uh, in our penultimate story, comic industry's oldest distributor is currently being held. I think this is still active. Is still being held hostage by a ransomware attack. Mm-hmm. Diamond Comics Distributors' website has been down for some retailers after a ransomware attack on the company's order processes and order processes and communications. Um, it is the older, just uh, the oldest distributor of comic books in the world. They have exclusive distribution deals with Dark Horse, Boom, and Image Comics. And as I said earlier, they have been hit by a ransomware attack that has kept the company's website shut down. Um, final, final order cutoff order adjustments were due the other day. The website outage possibly affected some retailers' ability to order product from the companies that are exclusive to Diamond. Diamond published a statement on a short-term website that it is using to communicate with retailers. And the company also released an update for comic book shipping this week. My understanding is that the, uh, some shipments were delayed this week, specifically uh, in uh, Baltimore, Boston, and Dallas. And uh, you know, and and my understanding is there were some small New York delays as well, from you know, anecdotal evidence I have from the New York City comic book stores, but uh, they were few and far in between in New York, at least. The story is still developing as Diamond attempts to address this attack on its order processes and communications. All processes and communications. That is the proper way of pronouncing the plural of process. Indeed. So, yeah. I guess maybe more on that or when that something comes available, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Canary Crocodile. I was about to say the only thing I have to add to that before you finish up is uh, don't open emails you don't recognize and don't respond to emails you don't recognize there it is that's true uh canary core creator dan panosian drops stunning art from his and scott snyder series uh let's see uh dan panosian revealed new interior art from his upcoming series canary his first through uh best jacket press uh, Canary is an upcoming comic from Panosian and writer uh, Scott Snyder that will be available to, through Comicsology on December 31st, uh, 2021. The book is being produced through Snyder's creator-owned imprint, Best Jacket Press, and is part of the writer's partnership between Comicsology and Dark Horse uh, that will see more than a half a dozen new titles released by the end of the year. Did, wait, this year or next year? Because this year's almost over. Um... <laughs> Uh, it takes place in the year 1891 in Canary County, a small town with a dark substance buried 666 feet beneath the surface. Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah. Uh, and you can see um, previews of the art of that in this article. And if you're interested in that, like we said, December 31st. Uh, and that is it, folks, for the news. Uh, and that is it for the end of the show. But first, one last ad read. Do we have anything for Toy Corner? Oh, we do. I was going to do that after the ads, but sure, we could do that now. Uh, I have something, and you have something, so take it away. Uh, okay. Yeah, do you want me to go first? Uh, no, I got it. I'm good. Let's see. Okay. I'm just going to get to uh, think. There we go. Close up shots. You love them, we got them. Right. Um, for myself in Toy Corner, I just got one ting. Um, whoops. There we go. 
And that is the Marvel Legends Tigra figure. Uh, Very cool. Gonna, there we go. That's not going to come out too too swiftly there, but there you go. Um, that's very as you can cool. see, it is um, the retro figure. It's got the little little card thing on the back. Um, you know, for the for the um, audio listeners, it's got a head. It's got two uh, another set of hands, uh, and it's quite orange. Yes. <laughs> so, and I don't know why, but the legs look seemingly larger, longer. But not that, that, that that's I don't know. But the uh, it is what it but so this basically brings me one step closer to my wacko diorama that would may or may not ever happen. I'm eventually gonna get that tigra. Um you know, that that tigra and the Hercules that are both out on that retro card mm-hmm. I think are next to um uh figures I actively get. Right. So my toy corner were actually gifts, believe it or not. And I got uh, a, a figure that is not available on Amazon right now, or at least not for regular price. Mm-hmm. So this is the uh, a figure that I've been trying to get Roddy Cat to get, and it is. Uh, let's see if I can get the camera to pick this up. If not, I'm just going to turn off my virtual background real quick. Uh, I'm just going to turn this off real quick. Boom. This is the uh, Gamerverse. Uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. That's based off of the video game. And uh, it is a pretty cool figure. I know I have told Roddy Cat that he should pick this up. It comes with the zappy Venom Blast hands, which is cool. It does come with another two sets of hands and a Miles unmasked head uh, in addition to the masked head. And it does come with, I think, the one of the legs for the Armadillo Build-A-Figure. But ultimately, this is a really cool Miles figure. I, I'm not home at the moment. You might be able to tell from my background. But I'm definitely going to take a look and see if, you know, and, and, and compare this to the Miles, the original Miles figure that we've gotten and see how well they stack up next to each other. I presume that this is just going to be a better figure. Also, it has the pinless technology in the elbows and knees. So it is... Is you know more than likely going to be a better looking figure simply because of that. So that's one figure. I also got um, Marvel's Maverick, the other member of Team X. So if I feel like um, reenacting that, uh, that that brief arc from um, Jim Lee's run on the adjectiveless X Men that introduced Maverick and showed us that Team X history with uh, Sabretooth, Maverick, and Wolverine together, I might actually be able to pull that off now. So um, this was a pleasant surprise um, as a as a surprise gift this week. So I'm glad to get these, but I definitely intend to. Uh, jump on that Tiger bandwagon and also pick up that uh, the, the, those um, retro card Avengers uh, Tigra and Hercules uh, uh, specifically. And that is it for Toy Corner for me. Cool. Well, then, that being the case, let us move uh, to our last ad of the night. And you know what we read when we're running late and we're tired? Help us keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. 
purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or the odd Marvel legend. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we come to the end of another exciting episode of the Combo Chronicles, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming out here. If you are, um, if you've come through to the live recording, or hey, if you've come through uh, at, um, for the video later on or the audio later on, doesn't matter. We, we appreciate you for being here in however you partake of this program. Um, as a quick reminder, uh, to actually, well, I guess today as of, uh, at the, as of this moment is, uh, December 12th. I mean, excuse me, November 12th. I'm not jumping that far into the future. Um, it is, uh, Disney plus day, which means that we will more than likely get a good bit of news, uh, next week coming out of that particular event. Uh, some of which we've kind of previewed here. Uh, tonight during this program, but definitely we will be getting more of. As as folk may or may not know, uh, last year is the Disney Plus Day, which I guess is when it was was pinned. Was when we got the whole slew of announcements of uh, shows and movies coming out from uh, Marvel and Disney and other, well, Disney particularly, uh, and Marvel there and other uh, parts of Disney. Um, there in. This would probably be a similar affair. May not, may or may not be as much, but we will see going forward. So stay tuned for next week's episode. That being said, to, to see uh, what comes out of that, um, and we'll that probably point. get some thoughts from Roddy Cat on Shang Chi. Possibly, yes, because yes, because uh, um, because yes, tomorrow will also or today will actually bring about uh, Shang Chi to Disney Plus, uh, and I will more than likely watch it a couple of times uh, by next week. Or by next show, rather. Right. So, that being said, um, this has been the Cumber Chronicles. Uh, my name is Radicat. You can find me at... You thought I was going to end it, but I didn't. <laughs> um, I am Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. For, you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, Agent underscore seven, you can find him on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and his umbrella sites therein. And uh, the Osiris that is ish, Tim D O G G 9 8 on Twitter. Uh, also, uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, that's the K L I Q N A T I O N. Uh, also, CB Cron, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account, you can find him there. But of course, you can also find him on comicbook.com, right in his face off. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, and actually, on and that note, actually, I should have checked this out beforehand. I, I'm hoping that last week's episode did actually come up, but probably without video, which I still haven't had the chance to um, 
mess around with but hopefully but if it hasn't then it'll be up uh in the next day or two when i can fix the video from last week um that being said but the other should definitely be out um but you can also find this podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice uh whether it be google play apple itunes aka apple podcasts spotify or the coastal podcast network's soundcloud page you can find us recording every Thursday night, uh, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. And uh, uh, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Which is all one word. So, uh, with that, let's stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you for coming out. And we appreciate you. So this is the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Uh, before I peace out, just wanted to say that we recorded this on Veterans Day. So we wanted to oh, yes. send a very uh, deepest thanks to the survivors of all foreign wars. And, you know, specifically the veterans, people who, you know, who, who, who made it out of their uh, deployments in, one, you know, in, in whatever piece that they did. And, uh, you know, thank you for your service. So uh, shout out. Those are the people we uh, thank on Veterans Day. Memorial Day is a little different, folks. There is our public service announcement for the week. And I will leave you with a very specific sound effect, uh, sound effect for this. So uh, peace one. And knowing is half the battle. What's on your